become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Landfill. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is ETL Daily, episode 16. I am your host, the Jstrom. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. This is so wonderful. <laughs> but I, I will hold on, everybody. Just slow down. I don't do the show by myself. That would be so sad and pathetic. I do it with Stephen the Pop Culture Zealot. Hey, what's uh, happening? Hello, Stephen. How are you doing this Fantastic. week? So great to see you, sir. I haven't seen you in so long. Like a whole week. Yeah, that's a long time when you think about it. You know? Like, yep. say you went a whole week without eating, you would die, right? No, not die. Uh, but if you had some water, would you be okay? You're good. So it's yeah. like I had water, but I didn't have Steven, so I'm I'm miserable, you know? There you no go. No Steven. Finally, no Steven, sustenance. Steven's here and he brought a hamburger, so I'm all <laughs> good now. Also, we should have Bill joining us later, but uh, he's he's dealing with chickens right now. And he's trying to round them up, so we'll see what he's happens. Trying to get greasy fast, Rock. <laughs> what is it? It's some dry ass chicken. Yeah, he's got some dry ass chicken that he's trying to round up. <laughs> so that's Bill right now. He's out there trying to round up the chickens. See? All right, get those chickens, Bill, and he'll be joining us shortly. New exercise regimen, chasing chickens. Chasing chickens, yeah. So, Stephen, what have you been up to this week? I'm back to work. Woohoo! All right, back to work. Where did you go? I was up in the Chicago area. Ah, oh, good old Chicago. Yeah. I know it's there. Hello, Frisco. No, no, wait, that's that's, that's in a different place. Oh. One thing I always hear about Chicago is it's kind of windy there. Is that true? Yeah, supposedly. Oh, okay. Did you experience any wind? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, it was not terribly. I wonder because I mean, it's a place known for wind. Do people? The, I guess you, you probably mean, notice it more because I, I, I'm. This is my guess because it's right there on the lake, so you would get the cold breeze right. off the lake do people wear sport a lot of windbreakers there since there's a lot of wind i don't you know depends like, on, i guess depends on the maybe it's a time of year thing too if and, there was a store that was a windbreaker only store it would be chicago wouldn't it? yes what what if we did that <laughs> we opened a windbreaker store chicago, chicago windbreakers we'd be millionaires <laughs> break the wind here in chicago with us oh we could even call it Break wind. Something like that. How would that sound? Windy city breakers? Yeah. 
What do you think? Something like that. That'd probably work. But, you know, when you say break with, it kind of reminds you of something else, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe, so come up with a different name. But do you see a lot of members-only jackets when you're there? Because <laughs> really, when you think about it, a members-only jacket is kind of a hybrid of a windbreaker, isn't right. it? It's a light jacket. Uh... I wonder if the, you know, it's members-only like where the club started, where you be a member at, is in Chicago because it's windy and you need like a fancy windbreaker. You'd have to see where it started. I, don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can see it. I yes. can't believe I'm oh. going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to type in members, members only jackets. Um, Origin story. Members only. <laughs> Members Only is a brand of clothing that became popular in the 80s with the Members Only jacket. The brand was created in 1975 and introduced to American markets in 1980 by Europe Craft Imports. Okay. Members Only jackets were manufactured in a wide variety of colors. The jackets have, what is that word, Stephen? Epaulets. 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 The jackets have epaulets. Epilepsy? Oh, man, that's weird. The jacket's a little flap on the top on your shoulder with the buttons. Oh, wait, it says headquarters, New York City. New York City! Get a rope. God damn it, that's stupid, man. That sucks. Oh, wait, I want to just see one thing. I'm going to see if there's a members-only jacket commercial on YouTube, Steven. Oh, you know there is. There's going to be a million of them. Hi. Never thought I'd want to do a commercial, but here I am. For members-only jackets... Why? All right. Because when Anthony I put one on Geary something, General happens, Hospital. they feel <laughs> fantastic. The colors are great, and all those different styles absolutely those terrific. Fancy. They go anywhere, anytime. Oh, but it's only a black if it says members only right here. I really believe in them. So should you. You should be embarrassed. <laughs> Available at the Lark, Stephen. Oh, okay. That was cool. Such a popular store. Oh, wait. I got to look at one more. A 1984 members-only commercial with the Gatlin Uh-oh. Brothers. <laughs> Giddy up, um, papa. <laughs> hey, hey, have you tried it? All right. Three hot dogs. like what you see. Members-only. When you join the club, you're a great company. Members-only. When only the best. Oh, they're looking good, aren't they? Yeah, I wonder what happens. <laughs> wow. You get transported magically to, uh, what's that, Central Park? <laughs> wow, that was awesome. So, members only jackets, yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to get you a members only jacket for your birthday, Steve. Fantastic. You're going to love it. I think you'll like it very much. So, when right you go next- to Chicago... I can put it right there next to my jean jacket from the 80s. <laughs> I miss having a denim jacket. I need to get one. You had one, didn't you? Yeah. For years. Mm-hmm. Till Laura. So you know what? You know what happened to it? Laura, I still have one somewhere. Laura was like, you never wear this anymore. Can I have it? And I was like, well, you can borrow it. You can't have it. And she like bedazzled the back of it. <laughs> And you can have it back. You can have it back if you want. It's like, uh, no, that's fine. I guess I don't need it anymore. I don't need the big so, glittery unicorn. See what on the she back. did there? Very sneaky. <laughs> she made it where I wouldn't want it. 
So, Stephen, here's some big Hollywood news. World War Z is getting the movie sequel book fans hoped would never happen. That's right. There's no denying the box office draw of World War Z. The film generated over $200 million. This, despite a troubled production and a third act, felt akin to a writer backed into a corner saying, disease files are basically modern-day magic potions, right? <laughs> Uh, in today's Hollywood landscape, that meant a sequel was inevitable. Yesterday, Paramount Pictures revealed their plan, World War Z 2. Hopefully just the working title. is set to be released. Hey, I don't want your commentary, okay? Just report the news. You got it? If the date seems familiar, it's because it's already been tagged by Fox for their Fantastic Four sequel. While a box office rumble between the genre titans makes for good headlines, a more interesting... Oh, shut up. I don't care about any of your shit. So anyway, yeah. I've been waiting for this World War Z sequel. I knew there had to be one. And I called it Zequel. Did you get it? Yep, that was pretty good. So... Pretty good. Pretty good there, Steven. Hey, okay, here's some other... Did you know there's a Poltergeist sequel? I and... thought it was just a reboot. Uh, oh, wait. Steven, did you know there's a Poltergeist reboot? <laughs> why, why is that funny, Steven? Did you know there was one? <laughs> well, it's not getting very good reviews. 30, 36% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, which means nothing. We might still like it if we see it. You can't replace Craig T. Nelson. No, you can't. You can't replace Coach. But I read Drew McWeeny's uh, review of it. Right. And he just thought it. What, there was no, like... Wasn't really no punch to it or something? It was like, it didn't feel like there was any passion. Like, oh, we're making a, it was kind of like, yeah, we're making a Poltergeist reboot. Like, there was nothing, we have nothing new to offer. Here it is. And he said the one part that he thought was funny that pretty much summed it up is, in the original film, this kid has a clown doll. Right. In the sequel, there's a box of a whole bunch of clown dolls. And it's like, oh, yeah, see, the reboot, they're like, oh, look. We amped it up. Yeah, yeah, we amped it up. There's like 15 clowns. It's like one was enough, and it scared the shit out of you. One was creepier. A bunch of them. Yeah, you don't need 15. And he wondered, and no one even asked why this kid has that many creepy clown dolls. (laughs) Like, wouldn't you get the kid help or something? Or what parent would buy the kid all these dolls? Your Aunt Matilda got you another creepy clown doll. And there was, he said there was a part early on in the movie where he started to get worried when they made a joke about a cemetery being there. And he goes, just as long as it wasn't an ancient uh, Indian burial ground. And they were like, ha, ha, ha. And he goes, oh, no. <laughs> you like, uh, so, who knows? Don't it, wink and make fun of the old one. It might have some genuine jump scares or something like that. But uh, I'm, it's, it's a wait till it comes on direct TV thing. Yeah, maybe. totally. Yeah. If you think about the last couple of uh, reboots, like, you know, we always come up with that Total Recall one because it just was not. There's no point in rebooting it. No. The Robocop one. What did it do? Came and went. Came and went. I still haven't seen it. They came and went. I mean, nobody was like, oh, wow, I can't wait till another one. Uh, They just come and go. The Poltergeist one, I don't know how it'll do. Even, I never saw the Evil Dead remake, did you? I tried, and it just, it wasn't... Uh, and that was even produced by Sam Raimi. Yeah. Like, he didn't make it, but it was kind of like... When you no, have a female Ash. The, the thing that made Evil Dead 
so fantastic was the directing of Sam Raimi, a young Sam Raimi, and Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Without them, it's just a horror movie, and I'm not interested in watching that. You know right. what I mean? I mean, if and, you're into horror movies, and again, like I said, I haven't... I tried watching it, and it was just like... I felt a little let down, I guess, if you want to say that, you know. When I was younger, I could I could watch horror movies, and I was into them. Um, th- now, to be honest with you, they all look very similar. Well, they're trying... You know, and I understand the... You know... The first Evil Dead, they were trying to make a horror movie. They weren't trying to go for camp in the sense that they did from with Two and Army of Darkness, did they? Well, yeah. Sam Raimi wasn't really a fan of horror films. He was making a horror film because that was the easiest thing for him to get uh, distribution with. Right. It was easy to make a horror movie and get it. But he wasn't going for the same... When he went to Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, yeah, and yeah. Army there... of Darkness... Mm-hmm. They're in the same vein, but yeah, with comedy. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's more of what Sam Raimi is a fan of the Three Stooges more than like horror films, <laughs> <laughs> more than Texas Chainsaw. But he's good at making them, and I, I'm you know this reminds me since we we're talking about Evil Dead is the Stars series that's coming up with Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. I hope it's good and done well, and it's not done real cheapo. And kind of talking on that same vein too. There's there's talk again of uh, a Nightbreed series. Seriously, like a. <laughs> Like a reboot of it? Uh, a TV series. Oh, wow. Huh. Would they just remake the first story, I hope? I, uh, I don't know. The first book, Cabal? You know what's funny is they have the director's cut on yeah. uh, on uh, Netflix. And I started watching it. And indeed, there is a lot that's different. Like, just in the early part of it. And uh, I cracked up because... There's a part where, you know, the main characters are Boone and Lori, boyfriend and girlfriend. Lori is a singer in a band, which we never see in the theatrical cut. But in this one, we do, and it's awful. Like, she's going, Johnny, be angry. Johnny, get mad. And the music <laughs> is terrible. And Boone's in there. He's all drugged and everything. He's walking around. And people are, like, dancing to it. I'm like... I can see why they cut this out. This is totally this is, awful. This is completely legitimate why they cut this. <laughs> it was, oh man, it was so bad. But I, I want to watch the rest of it. But it almost feels like, you know, I need to watch it with you. I don't want to just watch it by myself. That's no fun. I need to watch it with somebody else who's out uh, watched Nightbreed before. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, because I, I was, the only reason I know this because uh, they're, um, his new book, uh, The Scarlet Gospels, the last of the Hellraiser books, is oh, coming cool. out. I'm so out of touch with Clyde Barker's books. I don't even know. Has he ever made a Cabal sequel? Nothing I'm aware of. Because uh, I really liked that book back when I was a freaking teenager. That's how long as... You I'll... have that signed somewhere. Yeah. Cabal. Do you like Nine Inch Nails? No, I was just, I was just close. <laughs> I was just reading about him, you know, talk about how he's been. He got real sick and was in a coma for months. Yeah, didn't he even have? Uh, he had throat polyps. He's got throat or something. polyps from smoking he talks cigars. Like this. No. Yeah. He's like I'm Clyde Barker. And it's he's, like, oh my god. He's not doing. He sounds a, worse than that. He's actually. not doing a book tour, but he's signing. You can go to his site and buy signed oh, books, okay. whatever. He he's was, just too. He's still too weak, or whatever. When I was a teenager, he was like my favorite writer. I loved his stuff. 
I think the last thing I read by him was The Great and Secret Show. But he cranked out a lot of uh, short stories, you know, like Stephen King. And I would write, uh, read the, comp- the compilations of all yeah. those short stories. And those were always fun. Like the... Um, they had the such, Inhuman Condition. Yeah. Uh, the Midnight Meat Train. The Midnight <laughs> they Meat Train. Names like that. In I loved the, it. Something in the veins. And I th- the Hellraiser is actually the Hellbound Heart. The Hellbound Heart. Yeah. And he directed the Hellraiser. And it's a low budget movie, but I still think that's uh, it's a very watchable movie. The first one, and then yeah. it, the Hellraiser movies got freaking ridiculous. <laughs> and that's it's what he's you know his interview was like. Yeah. It, it really doesn't exist after the kind of the second one. Uh huh. It's like, eh. And if, you know, he's he's blatantly told everybody, it's like, look, Pinhead, who is not, that was just a nickname a stagehand gave him. Yeah. Um, he's really the, the Hell Priest. Right. Yeah. They, he's he's going to die in this last book. That that's you know, like, like a, a name they gave him, yeah. like in Fangoria. Like he, his, no one says his name Pinhead in Hellraiser, no. or like the Chatter and the Butterball. Maybe in the other movies they may refer to him, but Eventually. it was after the fact. Yeah. Oh, I was trying to think of Clive the rest. Barker never referred to him as Pinhead in any of the books. In the the Cenobites in the first movie, there's yeah. Pinhead, the Chatter. You know, is that the one that's. Yeah. And then there's Butterball, the big fat guy. And then yeah. there's the chick, who I can't remember her name. I don't remember. It's so bizarre. Kind yeah, of I love the Cenobites. Uh, I read um, Weave World and then uh, a couple other books. Oh, here's their name, Stephen. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Butterball, Pinhead, Chatter, which we write, The Female. Boring. Wow. Her name is The Female. I guess that's her nickname because they don't really have names, right? Right. But I remember in Hellbound Hellraiser 2, uh, all the Cenobites get killed, like, really quickly by that doctor guy. Yeah. Do you remember that? And you're like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> the hell, man? Your suffering will be legendary. Even in hell. We'll tear your soul apart. Yikes. <laughs> so, have you ever wanted... Back then, I would be like, it'd be so cool like to have on a shelf the puzzle box, wouldn't uh-huh. it? Just like somebody go, oh, that's cool. Don't mess with that. <laughs> Put that down. I want to open it. We have such they, they sights to show you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I figured they would. That's so funny. Steven, look what I got you. A puzzle box. <laughs> What's your pleasure, sir? Yeah, I was totally into Clive Barker back in the day. So that's cool. I haven't kept up with any of his stuff, but. I, I wouldn't mind uh, catching up on some things. But uh, as I said before, I really was a fan of Cabal and the Nightbreed. And then, you know, he made the movie very ambitious, uh, very flawed movie that was heavily edited, you could tell. But I liked it anyway for what it, they were. he was trying to do. It was basically a mess, you know. And the best thing about it was the Danny Elfman score. Yeah. Remember that? The it sounded like the meow mix commercial. La 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 It sounded just like it. I've got to see if anybody's ever done that on YouTube, real quick. Uh, just just for shits and giggles, I'm going to type in uh, night breed no. meow night breed or hellraiser. No meow. I'm talking about night breed. Okay. 
Oh, no. Uh, no. Okay, here we go. Because we're talking about Hellraiser, and all of a sudden went to, back to that. I was like, okay. See, I was talking about the Danny Elfman score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This part. This is the Meow Mix part. <laughs> but he had a beautiful score tonight, Reed. It was just like... And it, the movie couldn't keep up with the great score, you know what I mean? Like, he did this fantastic, bombastic score with this choir and everything. Was this and one it, he, uh, Parker directed the Nightbreed, right? Yeah. David Cronenberg was David the Decker, the bad guy. Dr. Decker. I think this is part. I used to have this on cassette. Yeah. It's a rocket soundtrack still. <laughs> you know what? Uh, what did we see recently that Danny Elfman like co? Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. Okay. I when remember- I saw that, I was like, "Wait, where was the Danny Elfman music?" Because all I heard was Brian Tyler. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is I remember back in the day, you could distinguish Danny Elfman music <laughs> over anybody, but now it's like, like my dad says. He's actually right about this. Film music is so friggin' generic now. There's yeah. like nothing special about it. and uh, Or it's rare to get something special. Yeah, it's rare to get something special. Like, I, you know, I, enjoy, I enjoyed uh, Age of Ultron immensely, but I even, I, I don't know, maybe it was Drew McWeeny said, how great would it be if each hero in the Avengers, when they had their own movies, had this distinct theme that they could then recall in the Avengers when they show them or whatever. And it would be so cool, like Superman or even, you know, and Batman or, you know, classic John Williams type themes. But they don't really, you know, nothing that you recognize. Uh, And I'm even going to say, even though, like... Just say, say going back to Star Wars, when Vader came on. When people had the... When heroes had these classic themes and... Uh, even like Alan Silvestri did the first Avengers and it, uh, if you look back at like, uh, back to the future or something like that, but there's, I mean, sure. The music is what I call suitable or, uh, passable. It's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm watching the movie. I'm but feeling emotions here. Even, uh, uh, Mad Max, which I want to talk about later, but junkie XL, and some other guy did the music to that. And while passable, I didn't think it was anything special compared to, say, Brian May, who did the original two. And I was like, well, damn it. What happened to Brian May? I'm going to look at, oh, died in 1980-something. I was like, oh, okay. No wonder. 
No wonder he didn't even do uh, Beyond Thunderdome. So I had no idea that he died. So that makes sense. You can't. Oh, I thought when you were saying Brian May, you meant the the Queen's That's Brian May. Yeah, no, he's first. he's some Aussie composer who did oh, okay. the first two uh, Mad Max. So it's like he's still alive. And then Maurice Jarre did uh, Beyond Thunderdome, which I do think is a great score. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Sorry, I did not uh, say that right away because we were playing Danny Elfman. But I want to talk about this real quick. Okay, I want to say this. You guys know, the three of us, many times we've talked about Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome on this show. Yes. And I think of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome as like you would a family member where I can talk shit about Thunderdome if I want but when I see other people doing it, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no one not. gave you permission. <laughs> no, you, you can't talk shit about Thunderdome, all right? Captain Walker is going to come for you. First of all, if you think about Beyond Thunderdome, which I don't, you guys, I assume you guys have seen it multiple times. <laughs> Too many times. Throughout your life. Maybe once or twice. <laughs> but it's one of the most quotable <laughs> movies ever made, I'm going to say. Who oh, easily. Knew? Me, Max, or, you know, it's just so much shit. He's bad. He's beautiful. He's crazy. He's the man with no name. You know, I know all that shit. I've seen it a million times. Tun-Tun, play something tragic, you know. <laughs> so what I'm saying is when I bag on Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, I do it lovingly. Yeah. When Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome came out, I had spent years watching the Road Warrior over and over and over and over again on VHS, on HBO, whatever. It was an HBO recording on VHS that I just oh. watched over. So I wanted more The Road Warrior. Yeah. So when Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome starts, you know, obviously he doesn't have his V8 interceptor because it got blown up in the second film. He has some kind of vehicle with camels that gets stolen by... A very confusingly the gyro captain, but he's not the gyro captain anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's what I always wondered. It's like, what the hell? Did George Miller know this to confuse the shit out of us? Apparently he did, but uh, it didn't matter because he's such a great actor played by, uh, shit, I'm blanking on his name, uh, Bruce Spence, right? That Australian man. Who was also... Uh, Strange looking Australian man. <laughs> isn't it Bruce Spence? Do I have that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bruce Spence. Oh, yeah. No mistake in that face. And remember, he was like the – they even put him in the Matrix as like the train master or he was like the train – the ticket master. I don't remember what he was. Do you remember when uh, he wants to get on the train but Bruce Spence is there and he's like, yeah, you can't get on and he has to fight him or something? Yeah, he was also the uh, the dude – from the, the, the crater land in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, the guy, that's right. The guy in the makeup with the that, yeah, gill I'm, face. Yeah, he was, has this crazy looking teeth and stuff. For someone who loves Star Wars, the fact that I can't remember, one, what the planet was called, and two, what his name was, shows how much I care about the prequels. <laughs> well, I, the, the, he was on Mustafar. Was it Mustafar he was on? I thought it was that... Oh the no no no! With, like, oh, it the, was, was it? It was the when he went to go. Obi Wan rode the the yeah, screaming about, lizard. What? What? Yeah, uh, yeah. He was you know forget about that movie. He was in Dark City, which was awesome. He was Mister Wall. Yeah, shut it down. Shut it down. He's fantastic, but he played 
Jedediah the pilot in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. He wasn't oh, okay. the gyro captain. And uh, that's confused people for years, by the way. I even still see that. Was he the same character? Why didn't Max recognize him? It's like, no. <laughs> I just get so annoyed. But, okay, well, let me see. Matrix. Matrix Revolutions, he was Train Man. <laughs> wow. I was like, Ticketmaster is a better name than Train Man. Come really on. Is. Well, they couldn't use that name. They would have got sued. <laughs> yeah, by Ticketmaster. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, what was I saying? Okay, uh, Beyond Thunderdome. So, this week, uh, last week when Mad Max Fury Road came out, you know, I saw a lot of people say, wow, we've been waiting for this movie for 30 years because we're not counting Bound Thunderdome. And I was like, wait a second. Okay, I can say that. You can't. And there's <laughs> yeah. only one reason because, you know, I'm me and they're not, right? <laughs> no, but <laughs> Beyond Well, I know we have because I, I think I saw Beyond Thunderdome when I was six years old. <laughs> I think it was on HBO. My problem with Beyond Thunderdome, seriously, is that it wasn't the Road Warrior. It was no. still it was still Max, which is fantastic. Um, there were parts of it that drive me nuts, and that's when he meets the kids. But they're like, uh, "We've been waiting for you, Captain Walker." <laughs> it's like I'm like sitting there, sitting there as a kid, going, "What the hell is going on?" It just happened. What I, did I just drop acid? Yeah, and there's a part where a little of me dies inside every time I watch the movie. And it's the part where... And Tun Tun uh, is behind you playing something tragic <laughs> <Yeah>. each time. <laughs> the and dented saxophone. <laughs> when, you know, when Max takes all the kids to Bartertown because they have no other choice because they're closer there than back home. And apparently they don't have a map on how to get back. Um, and they're in the pig place, you know, pig killer! You know, you've got Iron Bar. The part that kills me... Is when uh, all the kids are hiding and stuff, remember? And the iron bar's shooting at them. And they're on this, like, um, a grain feed. And then it yeah. falls down, and they're, like, on a slide. And all the kids are going, whoa! <laughs> and you hear this Murray Star music. It goes, It was the and, Goonies moment. Yeah, and all the kids are going, whoa! And I'm like, wait, this is a Mad Max movie. What is going on here? Is this PG-13? Oh, my God, it is. What the hell? That's another thing that a lot of people forget is that Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome was PG-13. Yeah. I've also read that uh, Mel Gibson was drunk through the film. Yes. That movie. Yeah. He was uh, hitting the alcohol hard, but. It's a strange film. It's directed Just yelling by things about Jews the entire time. <laughs> it's directed by two people. It's George uh, Miller and George Ogilvie. But obviously, George Miller directed all the uh, the great chase parts at the end of the film. Because yeah. that's almost like... Uh, I <clears throat> Don't you feel like the end of uh, Beyond Thunderdome, it's almost like, okay, this is what people were waiting yeah, for. This is, yeah, this was what we were expecting. Here you go, guys. And, we didn't uh, know what the stuff is in between but and I, did you ever read the book that inspired beyond thunderdome that uh no. ridley walker no i didn't yeah it was an australian science fiction novel uh i have to look it up but i just remember hearing about it i almost bought it one time but i think it, it kind of inspired that entire uh um like the the 
a lot of it the is, feral kids stuff. A lot of it is very interesting. You know, the world that they've created and uh, the barter town is very neat. Even the kids, uh, it's interesting to see how they had to create this whole kind of um, belief system in order to keep going. They had to yeah, believe absolutely. that somebody was coming to save them. Uh, it's the way you keep everyone going. And that's the cool thing about Mad Max Fury Road is you see that uh, um, Immortan Joe has created like this religion uh, getting into Valhalla and worshipping the automobile and or whatever. Yeah. It's the craziest shit, but it's the so... The Church of Guzzoline. I don't, it's so just, awesome when the guys are like in front of the giant steering wheel thing yeah. and they're taking off their steering wheels. It's the coolest shit. And what? Yeah, they that? each have their own steering wheel, like it's a rite of passage. <laughs> yeah. And what was the chrome thing? You know, like they sprayed all over them. Yeah, that was. I, well, I think it was, it was a, a celebration or, or a, a reference to even a Morton Joe and his mask, right? Because he had the like the the horse teeth, the silver horse teeth. So they're like, like now me, we too can be like a, the immortal, yeah, the Morton Joe, and in enter Valhalla like a car. But also at the same time, getting high off the paint. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Puffing yeah. it. I just didn't know if it was a drug itself that happened to be silver. Yeah, you. It's it hard was, to. Yeah, yeah you, you never know. know. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was assuming it was some sort of a drug that put them into a euphoric state. When because they were going to Valhalla, you know? right? Their whole thing is they want to make Immortan Joe proud of them. Right. They're the war boys. And the thing that when I, when Mad Max Fury Road was over, you know, Steve and I were sitting there and we, you know, we watched the entire end credits bill and kind of walked away. It's a kind of movie where you're just like kind of dazed afterwards. You know what I mean? Because, wow. Yeah, I I was, we're sitting there. We watched the entire credits. I looked at Natalie and I said, let's do that again. (laughs) It was was the ride. It was, it was incredible. And I'm so pissed I haven't seen it again yet. Yeah, same here. Because I know it's not going to be in the XD theater anymore after. No, I didn't. I don't know what opens this weekend, but I'm sure it's going to get the boot. There's a Tomorrowland, which isn't. Oh yeah, by the way, and Poltergeist. I don't know. I don't see anything making a dime. There might be. I don't know if Tomorrowland has an XD or a uh, um, what the hell, a uh, IMAX deal. Maybe Mad Max will still be in the IMAX. Just out of uh, curiosity, I'm going to see what's in the XD theater this week. Uh, it's Tomorrowland. Yep, Tomorrowland. Yeah, same here. It's Tomorrowland, Captain Walker. The- yeah, that, and that's that's kind of too bad because Mad Max deserves to be on the biggest screen. That was that was the other thing I was really confused by was. Last weekend was also the opening for Pitch Perfect 2. And right. while I'm not going to, you know, poo-poo Pitch Perfect 2, it has plenty of fans. Oh, I uh, The theaters closest to me... Brain broken! Were the only... Yeah, were the only... They were showing it in the XD screen. Yeah, well, so Pitch Perfect... So we had to drive an hour north of Columbus to see Mad Max properly on the, uh, the XD screen. You could easily see that, like... You know why Pitch Perfect is PG thirteen, right? You're gonna girls, get- young girls, old women alike can all go see that together. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road rated R. It was hard to talk Heather into seeing it, and finally she was like, "You know what? I've got work to do, or whatever." It's like it was hard to 
get her to go see it because she was like, those guys look freaky, the war boys. And I was like, oh, yeah. And to be honest with you, I had no idea how graphic it was going to be. Right. What, how, if she would be into it. I had no idea if she would dig it. Now, I know I would like the hell out of it, (laughs) you know, but uh, I was like, okay, if I like it, we'll see it again. I'll tell you. And when it was over and I went home, I was like, I still don't know if you'd like it. I did, but I don't know if you would. <laughs> There's a part where the the pregnant girl that I guarantee you she would not like at yeah. all. Yeah. And the handling of the baby afterwards, she would not like. And she might get up and leave at that right. point. But, um, but I had to think about a lot of what I witnessed first of all the beginning part of the movie so much shit is happening that it just throws you in there yeah the movie doesn't give a shit at all if you understand anything that's going on yeah the but, dialogue is and i had to think a lot so about hard this to hear in that part here's another thing for the longest time i thought mad max meant angry max he was very angry you know mad max he gets revenge for his uh Oh, you weren't thinking of it in the anglicized crazy. as in insane. Crazy. crazy. Yeah. There's a part in the road where seen it many times, you know, the beginning part where he says, uh, haunted by the demons of his past. He wandered into the wasteland to learn to live again. And I, as I watched the beginning as he's standing there and he sees the quick visions of his daughter or the girl or whatever. What's weird is he had a son in the first movie, but yeah. I almost think like it doesn't matter. It's almost like uh, sitting around a campfire telling the story of Max, another bad Max tale. And in this story, he happens to have a girl or had a girl yeah. that he failed and she's haunting him. Hell, he might not even remember what gender his child was by now. It's been a long time. Right. He might remember it as a little girl instead of a son. It doesn't matter. But he has lost his friggin' mind being out in the wasteland alone. Yeah. You can tell that. He's like crazy hermit in his uh, V8 Interceptor, which don't think about that. That's confusing, too. <laughs> Cause yeah, that that's true. Because I was uh, we're sitting there uh, before the movie and then after the movie. And I'm talking to Natalie going, I think it took place. Before Beyond Thunderdome, or maybe, no way, after the movie, I was like, maybe it took place between the first one and the second one. I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I was lost. I, the only, th- uh, George Miller just said, it's a different tale. Yeah. It's a different tale. I that's think that's the I easiest way to put it. it. Yeah. It was. There was a Road Warrior, and then there was this one. It doesn't matter where it fits in the chronology, but. Uh, and Max it's is just a different story. character tale. You're not really. I mean, focusing on it being Mel Gibson, Max. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's uh, and it's really it's just kind of using that universe because yeah. I mean it's really not a mad it's not Mad Max's film. It's, right. It's it's you know the story of the the wives well, and really, Imperator uh, Furiosa. If, if you look at the Road Warrior, he's just there. It's the the people in the compound and the people trying to get. And kill them and take all their gas. And Max wanders into the story. He's yeah. like the the man with no name, as they say in Thunderdome. Yeah. And didn't the, he say like I was just here for the gas? Yeah, I'm just here for the gasoline. And uh, he sees a pro- people who need a who have a problem. And he's like, you you want to get out of here? Talk to me. He gives them the gas. He gets the truck. He comes back, and they they expect, hey, you're okay. You're a good guy. You can drive the rig. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, I was just here for the gas and I'm taking off. 
and they're all kind of like dazed, like what? He he's not he's not going to help us. And then he takes off, nearly gets killed, loses everything, and then he comes back and he's like, "Okay, I'll drive." And <laughs> it's very similar to this one, also. Yeah, Max is all in it for himself. He groups up with people again, kind of turns back into a human, and then leaves being uh, bettering them and himself for a while. Then I guess he's going to wander out in the wasteland again and then lose himself again. Yeah, each each mission kind of pulls him back to uh, a semblance of sanity. Yeah, wondering if it's about the loss again, you know. Exactly, sometimes yeah. Sometimes it's about the loss again. He's got too much time on his hands to be alone to think about. Uh, I mean, you get that also that But he, he doesn't want to get... He f- too involved in people's right. lives. And that's another thing. He failed his family. He couldn't yeah. protect them. And now he's protecting these people. Right. You know? And by the way, you know, I watched... And in a way... I'm sorry. I just cut you off. Oh, no. I was just going to say, you know, I rewatched The Road Warrior before uh, I went to see Fury Road. And I I cannot explain how, you know, that... These movies are batshit insane, you know, the yeah. the way that people act. Even the the thought of the feral kid is this and I, yeah, I when love I, that little when, shit. Whenever I watch it I'm thinking they never had time to teach him shit because they're living in terror, right? Right. Yeah. That kid grew up with just shit happening around him. They have no time to even teach him how to talk. So he's like ha 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 and uh, I still but love. He's learned how to use a a razor tip boomerang. Who got him that? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, here, go play with this kid. <laughs> he just he, found it. He becomes very adept at killing people. With a he's boomerang. really good at chopping fingertips off and hitting androgynous people in the head with it. And I love that, you know, when the part where Max is like, go on, get out of here, Psst, scat, or <laughs> whatever the kid yeah. goes away. He's like an animal, but... Just treating him like dog. I absolutely love that scene in uh, The Road Warrior when Max, all this shit's going on, he's fighting all these guys, and he looks down, and the kid is just standing there, <laughs> and he, like, has to pick him up and put him in the cabins. That little boy is right here during all this crazy shit. I love it. Uh, and whenever he bl- uh, shoots somebody with a shotgun, he's like, ha, 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 ha. He's like... <laughs> loves it this is fantastic because my favorite part in the entire movie the road warrior is it's a very horrible part after they kill the the mechanic guy who uh is uh, paraplegic they pull him down and they pull the girl and you just see him they die horribly right max pops out of the cab and he just goes boom and shoots the driver in the windshield with a shotgun you see the like the buckshot holes and the blood splatter dude i freaking love that scene (laughs) it's a great scene and right remember what that triggers is that car wrecks and then the biker crashes into it and then spins through the air like that's so awesome so freaking awesome. So anyway, cut to Mad Max for your road, Bill. Do you remember your thought? I didn't mean to, like, just take over. Oh, I was just saying how you said, like, uh, you know, he's going through this uh, desert, like, making up for not being able to protect his family. But in this one, there's moments where the ghosts of his family protect him. Right. And I thought that was really awesome. Like, a particular scene where he almost gets a freaking bolt in the head. And, yeah. the like, the ghost of his child shows up and he, like kind of shade you know puts his hand up to you know in in surprise and the bolt goes in through his hand and then lodges itself into his head and i was just like whoa that was a really cool touch yeah it was what he like does the protective and it goes right through his hand 
And that kind of reminded me of in the Road Warrior 2. He gets shot in the leg at one point with an arrow, and he just looks down at it. He doesn't, uh, like... Doesn't register. Like, yeah, he doesn't uh, re- He's too busy to go, ah, or anything like that. He just kind of looks <laughs> yeah. down at it. And, uh, I liked how he left the bolt in his hand until he got back into the uh, the car. And then he was like, oh, uh, pulls it out, throws it out. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, uh, and Tom Hardy, I got to hand it to him. At one, you know, one thing is he's got huge shoes to fill for Mel Gibson. God, yes. And um, when the Mel Gibson inhabited that role, and Tom Hardy's the uh, obviously he's the new Max. I don't know what to say about it. It felt like a Mad Max film, but um, uh, I have nothing negative to say about him. But he didn't register to me like Mel Gibson did. Do you know what I mean? No, right. because Mel Gibson is damaged. Like every one of those films, you can you can see in his eyes that he's a damaged individual, and he carries that over to the Mad Mad Max character. Probably needed and, more backstory on this. I think. You yeah, know. I think. As the movie went on and he became, it's almost like he's not Max in the beginning because he's so nuts. Yeah. yeah. He's going through this crazy shit and he becomes Max throughout the film. And then at the very end when he looks at Furiosa and they kind of nod, he's Mad Max again. He's Max. Yeah. He's back to himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it took him a while to get there. The whole hanging upside down. It, I didn't understand any of that. I was like, what the hell? And then eventually I was like, blood bag. Oh, he's like a blood bag for them. And then I understood. And um, the whole milk, milking the women's breast <laughs> thing. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of kooky shit until later on you think about it that uh, there's no, breast milk for the baby. It's got, it keeps them healthy. And yeah, it's got the colostrum and all the necessary nutrients and they're all radiated messes. Yeah. And there's a part where Max goes, what is this? And they go, mother's milk. And he's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> And there, and there was, I thought it was wonderful how they would show the, the masses uh, at the, uh, I don't know what you would call it, the Immortan Joe's Citadel, and how they would scramble for the water, and it showed how irradiated all those people were, like just like the swollen faces and yeah. tumors. Those and people were just, a mess. Yeah, totally screwed. Like, I mean, it, it's obvious that the the people that were that area was closest to the uh the fallout so it just it had me thinking like all about when and where it took place in the timeline again and that's another thing like in in the road warrior you don't think about radiation at all except for when you see humongous the lord humongous he looks like he's jacked up from radiation with missing hair and stuff uh, but there's not a lot of, like, you don't really get a lot of the radiation type of vibe from it. You know, it yeah, is right. a wasteland or whatever. But in the beginning of Thunderdome, he's like, fresh water. And Max has the Geiger count. He goes, what's wrong with a little radiation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, isn't the whole story of Captain Walker was that he, he like, flew people out of Sydney before the bombs dropped or yes. something? Yeah. And then, like, so I was thinking, like, that where where did this take place in that timeline? It like did I would have thought that it took place between you know Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome, but again, it's a different tale. It's just one of those things the nerd in me gets yeah. hung up on. Because if you uh, like, I've even thought about it like this: like Mad Max, you know, the society is crumbling, 
the road warrior, there's still a road he's driving on, but there's yeah. no civilization. And beyond Thunderdome, there's no freaking roads anymore. It's yeah. just sand. Mm-hmm. And this, like that, was all sand. It was all desert, you know? Yeah. And I, there's no more gasoline in Beyond Thunderdome, right? Uh, they Yeah, it's methane. Methane. Yeah. Cometh from pig shit. Yes, cometh from pig shit. Methane. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, there's a part where uh, uh, Max goes, bullshit. He goes, no, pig shit. <laughs> <laughs> I see a big guy giving a little guy a piggyback. <laughs> see, movie totally quotable. <laughs> yeah. Not too hard on Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, it really, you're right. It's uh, it's endlessly quotable. And it's it's, I actually find it more enjoyable to watch now. Than I did whenever I first watched it. Yeah, I've gotten over the disappointment, uh, but still that part when they go, I'm just like, no, it's the Dave the Dave Grusin score. I love the part when when they show him the plane and they're all going, and he goes, cut the noise, yeah, you friggin' kids, you're all so annoying. Uh, but yeah, okay, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, it's just it's a crazy movie, and I want to see it again so bad. I wanted to see it again before we talked about it, but I'll so just, did I. Yeah, I'll tell you this: I loved it, and I want to own it and watch it over and over again. That's, it makes me want to own a 4K television and a Dolby Atmos uh, sound system. <laughs> Dude, it, it 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 kind of like injected me with like. Um, inspiration with juice yeah it did it was it it's 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 amazing to to like have that sort of film experience because we don't have that much anymore that level of that level of inspiration of like orchestrated chaos that and the entire time i'm watching i'm going holy shit that's a real effect holy shit that's a real explosion holy shit we've been so inundated with cgi and well, yeah, what Steve and I were talking about too, Bill, is remake after remake that comes and goes and everyone forgets about it again, like Total Recall or Robocop. They come and go and they had nothing new to bring to the table and it fades away. George yeah. Miller, he had shit to bring to the table, you know? Yeah, it's true. He but wait, it, it, but it took really, a long it wasn't, time. Um, it wasn't a reboot, though. No, no, no. Not, I just mean that he right. He came and brought Mad Max, but it wasn't like, oh, we've seen this before, yeah. George. Right, and right. it's like, no. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't a reboot. He had new, insane shit. I, you know, this is one thing I've talked about before on the show, like uh, James Cameron or Sam Raimi, George Miller, equally visionary, whereas you can picture them, they're laying in bed and they're dreaming up this shit for years mm-hmm. And then when they pull it off, it's a beautiful thing. That whole scene where Furiosa, she's still got her crew of war boys. They don't understand what's going on. And those porcupine cars attack, you know? Yeah. It's so freaking awesome chaos insanity. And I love, don't you love, Bill, how the new uh, porcupine car shows up with a new add-on to it to attack mm-hmm. them? Like the- <laughs> it's so freaking awesome. And I love... The one guy he gets shot, and you know he's first. You think he's dead, and then he's like, oh, and he's like, uh, I forget. I, I need to see it again because I don't remember what he said. But he wants to go to Valhalla 
and he sprays the chrome on. He goes kamikaze and he jumps on it or whatever. That part was beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah. Just that entire second chase sequence where you know it, it it builds and builds and builds, and then it hits that that electric storm. Yes. And I've never, like, my jaw was on the floor. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Which, by the way, having watched the trailer a million times, I thought that was going to be the climax of the film. I oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, end. that. I felt the exact same way through the entire time. I'm going, okay, that was, like, that was breathtaking. Let me, let me take a moment. It's got to be over. It's got, this is, th- that's got to be it. And then, no, no, no. Each time when a Morton Joe is getting closer and closer... Yeah. I'm like, that's got, this is it. He's right there. He's in the group. It's, it's over. I did like the use of the war drums in the background. Like, Holy you shit. You see him way in the distance. The war drums and the coma the doof. The, yeah. uh, the, the, the brilliant flamethrowing guitar. <laughs> Some insane. <laughs> and the dude looked like a Cenobite or something from Hellraiser yeah. or something. Yeah. So he was like a mutated from radiation or something. And also like, you know, like a Nick Holt. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, I think so. Nicholas Holt. Yeah, he had like little tumors, and they all have like radiation yeah. tumors. They had names with faces. <laughs> two names. <laughs> yeah, and he gave them faces. And uh, I was, I, you know, there's a wonderful about forty minute uh, press conference from Khan, uh, uh, the or Cans, whatever you want to call it, uh, was uh, with the 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 cast and crew from Fury Road. And George Miller was telling this wonderful story about how, you know, he had the idea for Coma the Doof and uh, he, you know, set it up so that how it would look. And then whenever they were finally done with it, he was like, okay, now plug it in. Like he wanted it to actually work. He wanted to hear like the, that over the chaos. Yeah. Like he wanted a full soundtrack while they're filming this thing at 60, 70 miles an hour. It is awesome. And, you know, I love that part of the uh, chase also where Max gets pulled off by the pole guy. So he's going from vehicle to vehicle, you know. And yeah. he, he gets over there to uh, the doof guy and he's like wrestling <laughs> around with him. But I absolutely love the – I don't know the guy's name. They all had fantastic names. Every Mad Max film, if you just go through IMDb yeah. and look at the characters' names, you know, they're all awesome, even from the very first movie. But uh, the guy with the big, giant elephant feet yeah. in the car. Oh, my God. Yeah, one of the guys from the, uh, uh, the, the gas town or whatever. Yeah, one guy was like a bullet guy, like bullet maker. What was yeah, his name? I, yeah. I don't remember what his name was. I just remember how he uh, <laughs> he got blinded. I yeah, love the one I thought was uh, that that bullet guy. And now you tell me if you saw the same thing, Bill, because I was asking Jason. I said, did he replace his teeth with bullets? Because he it looked like he pulled yes. it out. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yep. Okay. And the other the other little touch I noticed with the elephantitis foot guy was him rubbing his his pierced nipples. <laughs> yeah, it was like every shot that you could see him from the chest down he was rubbing his nipples okay there was a guy named the bullet farmer that's what it was bullet but farmer. my favorite name in there is rictus erectus the big yes, the brother. guy. <laughs> rictus erectus but. and then the the other brother 
uh, was the one that was back at home that was like a, a, a little person. He was like Eric the Midget from the Howard Stern Show. Yeah, um, Eric the Actor, Bill. Oh, I'm sorry, Eric the Actor. Eric the Angry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, may he rest in peace. That would have um, been a perfect role for him in that. Yeah, I know. He would have fit right in. I actually thought of him, too, when I saw that guy. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, he totally missed his chance. But I love that part where uh, Max is in the guy with the big feet, and he uses him as a shield. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and one thing that you know from uh, – they talk about it in the first movie, and the gyro captain says it in the second movie, and they talk about it in the third movie, too – uh, is that Max, his main uh, talent is that he's got super quick reflexes. He's just really fast on the draw and his movements and everything. But, in, I, you know, they don't, they don't have to mention it in every movie, but I'm such a Mad Max, uh, uh, I guess you could call it Mad Max geek or fan or whatever, that I paid attention to that. Like, he's got to be quick, you know what yeah. I mean? And he is. I mean, he did block an arrow from going into his skull, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's quick, and he um, has typo negative blood. So yeah. he can donate to anyone and save them, and it's supercharged. Crazy blood. Yeah, he's got road warrior blood. <laughs> yeah, that part was just insane. I was like, he's got Max on the front of the car with the bloodline going into him driving. That was hilarious. Like, wouldn't you want him in the back of the car protecting the blood bag? You know? <laughs> it was just insanity. And you know why they did it? Because in the road warrior, they strap him to the front or whatever. Yeah. But I love when... Uh, he Nux is his name. He starts flooding the car with fuel, and he's going to kill himself. He's going to make a fireball and just crash into him. And Max is like, "What the hell is he doing?" <laughs> he's like trying to like grab him. And he does. I love that. There are so many great movements in the movie. I wish I could have seen it again before we talked about it. But yeah, uh, hopefully, thought, you know hopefully what? next week. There's I just. Thought- it's uh, expensive, man. <laughs> yeah. And I thought Furiosa was a fantastic character. I thought Charlize Theron was great. Yeah. And I, I there was all these little touches that we talked about, especially how, you know, they had this idea of hope and that she was going to take them to the green place. And there's that wonderful night chase with the bullet farmer. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you know, and they're all getting stuck and, you know, they use this, the, the, this one lone tree that they actually have to destroy in order to get you know, ahead and get out of where they're stuck. And then they get to where they're going and they're like, well, where's the green place? They're like, well, you drove through it. You realize that that, you know, that the one lone tree that was left in that entire area that wasn't completely decimated, they had to destroy to then escape. And it was just, it was, it was so, it was little moments of depth and, and insight into this world that just endeared me to it even more. When, you know, I don't know if you guys thought about this, but when she said the green place, it made me think of the part, the place where the kids were yeah. in Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, yeah, because absolutely. That is a desert, but they found this. I thought little, it was like going to be a little knoll, kind of hidden yeah, away, yeah, an oasis and stuff. Which I was like, hey, if they go to a place like that, that does sound great. But Max is like, there's nothing here but desert. You could get away from them, but you're just going to keep seeing desert. You need yeah. to just turn back. And it's like turn back, and. Um, the, the, yeah, that that was another great moment. Whenever he just finally speaks the 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 wisdom to them, and they're like, "Well, 
All right, you can't you, you can't beat them. Ram it right down their throats. Well, there's a part where she goes, "You can come with us," and he's like, "No, I'm I'm better off here by myself." And then as they leave, he starts hearing the voices again, and he's kind of like, "No, you're better off around people, Max." <laughs> and uh, did you almost get that feeling, like the um, his daughter in his head? It's really his subconscious right, right. telling him, "Yeah, no, you need to go with them." Yeah. Well, it's his mad. I mean, he's he's mad. It's 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 his schizophrenic qualities. You know, it's his the demons or the voices in his head. I mean, that's and you know what but, I started thinking. Like they don't show it in the Road Warrior, but what if that same shit is going on with uh, the Mel Gibson Max in the Road Warrior? You understand him a little bit better. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely <laughs> is. I think that's brilliant. There should be a freaking fan edit of it. Yeah, did you uh, watch that fan edit of uh, the <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of um, the Tina Turner video from Beyond Thunderdome? Yes, I did. I, I, I think I sent really, it to you. That was brilliantly done. Did you see? It that? was. And I also yeah. loved. I mean, I, when I was in New York uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we would at night or in the morning we'd wake up. We were staying with uh, Natalie's friends, Sarah and Jason, and they're like, "Have you seen the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt?" We're like, "No, we just never." They're like, "Okay, you have to watch it." So we started watching it. We're like, this is brilliant. Uh, you know, how could NBC actually say no to this? Yeah. And I love the theme song. Mm-hmm. And somebody, you know, it was the remix, the news or, or auto tune, the news thing. And somebody took that and uh, the theme to that and did it to the, uh, uh, to Fury the what was it? The unbreakable Imperator Furiosa. Yeah. The unbreakable Furiosa. And it's like, uh, you know, the song he's saying, Unbreakable, they're alive, damn it. And <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> what's funny is, like, Heather and I binge-watched that when it first came on Netflix, and we loved it. And we haven't watched it since that first week or whatever, but still, we'll suddenly just burst into the theme song just out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he- it's, we're singing it, we still sing it to this day, and we only just saw it maybe a week or two ago, because it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. I don't know the fact that they took that that element of you know internet meme and turned it into something yeah that good is well just it's just brilliant. so cool. You can tell when a movie is people love it is yes. you start seeing videos right away of people like they took Mad Max Fury Road and did we don't need another hero. The guy edited it to look like the eighties video on MTV pillar boxed. With all the footage of, it's just, and almost, you know, the part where she goes, in Thunderdome, I wish they could have dubbed it Fury Road or something Yeah, like I, yeah. would have yeah. been awesome, but. It worked, and, and you know, it's like you said, it inspires people. It, it injects them with that creative juice because it's, you're experiencing something that was obviously uh, inspired. Yeah, and I thought it was brilliant that he got uh, the friggin'. <laughs> Uh, toe cutter from Mad Max to be the bad guy in this one. Oh, and that think... guy, how has that guy not gotten more work? Even just watching that little video they did for Alamo Draft House, mm-hmm. where they had, it was like, turn your phone off and shut your face. Yeah. <laughs> I was just awesome. like, oh my God, this is, br- the guy's 
freaking magical. I want to see Bruce Spence back. I want to see people from the other films like Papa Gallo, if that guy's still alive. I don't even know if these actors are alive. Get, get Vernon Wells, man. Is he still alive? Oh, I know. I hope Kill he him is. off the front of that truck we need that he ended back. up on in Road Warrior. <laughs> you! You can run, but you can't hide! How yeah, I just want Wes? him to get... I, I want so many more... It's it's hard because now he set the bar so high, right? With this one, and for him to say he's got more stories to tell, I, I want to see it. I believe and I expect the next one to be another Thunderdome. Like, oh, oh my god, man. build up <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, or, or you know, babe, pig in the city, pig in pig in the Thunderdome, friggin' talking animals with Max because he's talking. Oh my god, Mad Mad Max goes so mad that he now has talking animals. He needs Ferdinand the duck shows Max up. Doolittle. He needs to have a mutant two-headed dog that talks and that has two different voices for each head or something. Oh, my God. Good and bad angel. And you know what? George Miller could pull it off. Could, oh, he totally could pull it off. There was the two-headed lizard at the beginning. Yeah. You know, I love that he just eats it yeah. raw, you know, guzzles it down. And it's and the, the freaking effects on that, the crunchiness had me cringing. I know, and so... I love the little tail sticking out, wiggling still. <laughs> yeah. It's painful every time you watch the road wire and see his V8 interceptor be destroyed. But then we had to see it destroyed twice in this movie. Because <laughs> yeah. they, they rebuild it. That's my car! Yeah, I love He's like, that's my car! <laughs> and it's funny because it's kind of... Uh, geeky of me, but I want him to say that's my vehicle, <laughs> like he did yeah. Beyond Thunderdome when uh, Master Blaster had it. But uh, yeah, and then his car gets blown up again. And I love that guy's face; he had like a Joker smile with like staples in the corners. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. crazy looking MF man. There's he was some... the, he like would self mutilate to to bring glory to a Morton Joe. Yeah, those guys had been more than a little brainwashed, hadn't they? Yeah. Well, it was sort of, I loved the ending, you know, whenever you've got all these little war war boys, war... War lads. War lads. War war younglings. War younglings, yeah. (laughs) And and then, again, the fact that there were so many great touches, like the fact that the, the, the crane that lifted and dropped everything was controlled by people... Yeah, climbing wheels. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was, it was uh, just all these little touches that were so freaking brilliant. It was a brilliant invention. Just looking at it, the way. That yeah, I was like, and you and know, it had to work. <laughs> like he actually hired people to go. Okay, your whole point in this film is you have to be a slave that raises and lowers things on a wheel. I, did, I kept thinking about like, how did this guy come into power? You know. I would love a backstory. There must have been at some point, because there's other tribes that they have to contend with. There might have been a lot of fighting, and Morton Joe just outsmarted him. And how long has he been in power? Because he's got all these, like, as the wives go... You know they, you know they get big. They, you know they, they end up just breastfeeding for the yeah. rest as long as they can. It's it's, and, it's so he's had to be in power for at least fifty years. And the, I guess the old tattooed lady, she was like his first wife, I assumed. The yeah, the lady. mother. Yeah. And uh, uh, what about when he's putting on his outfit and you see all those like boils or mutilation. Yeah, and they're like, they're blowing the, um, what, what I would assume to be uh, silver powder, like, because it's, it's an antibacterial agent and all that, and they seal them into the, like, the, the clear oxygen suit. 
Yeah. So, you know, like, even though it's all like, um, you know, they've got, they still have some, you know, smarts. They can figure out what type of blood people have and stuff like that. So yeah. they they know some things. They're not like big dummies. Yeah, but so how do they figure? Yeah, that you know, but getting into too crazy. Yeah, how do they figure that out? Well, if you think about it, like religion, like he uses the idea of Valhalla and stuff to control the war boys. You want to bring glory to yourself and yeah. To uh, Morton Joe and make him proud, like poor Nux. He's like, I'm going to make you proud, and he runs and he trips over the chain and he falls, and he's just like, idiots. <laughs> he's like, well, even the moment where Nux is uh, on his car and like looking at him, like he just, with that like dedication, and and Morton Joe sprays the the spray paint on his mouth for him. Yeah, you, know, you just see in his eyes, like, oh my god, I, you know, I just this I just talked to God. Yeah, this is his moment, and he starts to run, and he's just like drops the gun, falls down, and he makes a total ass out of himself. And you can just see he missed his chance. <laughs> Poor guy. And yeah, uh, you actually start to feel for Nux, and that's that's kind of brilliant. I, yeah, throughout I felt the the, bad for you want to see him succeed. And you, well, I kind of felt bad for every one of those people that've been controlled by Immortan Joe. You know, yeah, true. He was a horrible, horrible man. Yeah, he was—he's like L. Ron Hubbard. He was hoarding all the women too, and you—and you, that mentality, like as we're going, like Morton Joe and his people. If you're raised like that and brought up to, in a certain beliefs, it's hard to break you out of it. It well, is—it's blind faith. I mean, you could take that for any any you know uh, uh, religion that uh, kind of subjugates and controls uh, the, its followers. Once you believe something so strongly that you never question it anymore, you're pretty yeah. screwed. <laughs> you yeah, you're, yeah. Like, nobody's like, wait, why doesn't Morton Joe get all the water? He gets all the women? And what? That's I'm right, risking he does. my life for him? Then- and he has he has a green place in his citadel. Yeah, why? Like, I mean, he grows fresh, fresh everything. Yeah, and it, I get the idea that the uh, war boys, they all fight over everything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they just have to... Uh, take what they want. But anyway, Mad Max Fury Road, incredible movie, and I can't wait to watch it again. And only. Can you guys? <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, no, I just want to see it. i, I got to see it at least next week. Hmm. But, you know, the other thing that pisses me off is a lot of times, at least here, whenever it's in the biggest screen, they they won't show be showing it in 3D. Really? Yeah, and I've kind of... I know a lot of people hate 3D. It's... Yeah. Some people like it, but for me, at least, it enhances the depth. And even when it's not shot in 3D, like Mad Max Fury Road could not be shot in 3D. Right. Whenever you're in that environment, moving at that those speeds, you can't control the depth properly. You can't, you know, there's yeah. all kinds of things that just will not work. You can tell a lot but, of work was put into it. Yes, but, yeah, it's like whenever they're doing it in post now, they're doing it so well. Do you remember, like, early... 3D when it was done in post, it was so blurry and yeah, like, like uh, the Clash pop up bookie remake. Yeah, and now I thought it really adds a whole other element, and especially whenever you deal with CGI elements, they're done in a 3D environment. So, although a lot of this was impractical, was practical effects the like the storms and the stuff that looked just stunning. Like, anything yeah. done in that environment was amazing. Yeah, I, I'd even read that George Miller 
uh, he wanted it to look right, and he worked yeah. on it for a long time. You know, I would. By the way, Tomorrowland not getting great reviews. I'm kind of uh, yeah, and and you know what's that. really is really sad for me is when the filmmakers become defensive, and especially when it's Damon Lindelof, someone who I've always well, respected Twitter, his creativity. <laughs> But he um, automatically gets pissy, and he makes a comment about how, like, oh, well, the fanboys just are too cynical to enjoy it. Maybe it's just not a very good movie. Maybe it's not – It's the story isn't very cohesive. Did you, you know, maybe not think that maybe you were throwing too much at people without giving, you know, giving them a little bit more leeway or the benefit of the doubt or – it's just everything same- I'm reading about it is that it, it's, it's crushed underneath – it's uh, like it, it's ideals, right? But at the same time, I I won't write it off because oh, I'm going to go see it. Well, yeah, there might be something in there alike. I've we've watched many films that have gotten rotten reviews, or sure, at least fifty percent rotten. Uh, as it's at forty nine percent. Remember, we loved Oblivion, which was like right oh god two percent yeah. rotten or yeah. something. And I freaking love that movie. Um, you never know. I might like Tomorrowland for what it's trying to do. It doesn't quite succeed or whatever. The ideas may be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, Brad Bird, I certainly like him and I admire his filmmaking. So it's like the kind of thing where I look at it and read the reviews and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, how I've even, you know, Drew McWeeny who didn't like it. He says the good things about it, you know? Yeah. It's a gorgeous film to look at, but. It's just got whatever. Missing something for him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and I think that's what's lost in a lot of uh, uh, criti- film criticism is that you know they just kind of come at it from this uh, textbook kind of a way and don't let other people kind of yeah. Well, you know, let I the trust, film come to them. Whereas McQueenie at least gives yeah. what he liked. Yeah, I trust him. And when he says what he didn't like and he really wanted to like it and stuff, you know, I believe him. He really wanted to like the movie. Yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. You know, it's not like it's... I wouldn't expect good reviews from something like Paul Blart Mall Cop. I mean, I know (laughs) it looks fantastic based on the trailers. It at least looks fantastic, you know. Yeah, it does. It does. And, I mean, the trailers, they look a little, you know, kind of... uh, I don't don't know how to put it. I almost put it like... Sterile. Well, like Super 8. Um, Okay, yeah. Where... Where J.J. Abrams wants to be secretive, which I understand, but maybe the film would have done better if everyone knew what the hell the movie was about. You know what I mean? Stop being secretive and just let us know what it's about. Like, I know Tomorrowland is about a place, uh, this hidden away place called Tomorrowland. The girl touches a pin and she's there. And George Clooney's in it. But other than that, I don't know a lot about it. But like Super 8, we didn't know a lot about that. It was secretive, which I can understand, the mystery box and all that. But at the same time, maybe if you want people in the theater to see it, you got to tell them a little bit more what it's about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cloverfield, that was different. You know, people knew it was a monster attacking New York eventually when it came out. By the time the movie came out, we knew that's what it was about. When the first teaser trailer, we didn't, just know, didn't shit. know where the monster came from. Everyone thought it was a Voltron lion or something. Remember that? Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
people are morons. What I want to know is how the hell the Poltergeist remake came about. Dude, you can't I'm, tell me that's going to make a dime because I didn't even know it was coming out until this week. I had no idea. I just saw it. I just saw it listed. I was looking to see what theaters Mad Max is playing in, and I see Poltergeist, and then I see Sam Rockwell, and then I go, what the F? What is Sam Rockwell yeah, doing in it? I had to look at, watch the, the trailer for it twice on TV. I was like, By the way, best Sam thing Rockwell? about Poltergeist, the Jerry Goldsmith score is awesome. True. It's incredible. Um and I yeah. like that Steven Spielberg gets a writing credit on this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the original script, I think. What's funny is um, my dad took us, uh, Laura, Vanessa, and I, to see Poltergeist in the theater when it came out. How do you think we reacted to that film? <laughs> Scared shitless. That's like my dad showing me that made-for-TV movie about the nuclear holocaust when I was five. I can't imagine taking Emma, who was probably the same age. I don't know. I was 10 or 11, whenever. When did Poltergeist come out? I can't imagine going, Emma, I want to show you a movie called Poltergeist. I just, it's... I don't know what it is, but my dad would just, he didn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, our parents, you know what, I think there's something about the baby boomer generation of parents like just that the they movie. just really have no idea what they were doing. <laughs> I remember when I would say I was scared, my dad would go, it's just a person in makeup. It's like, oh yeah, that Yeah, helps. that helps. <laughs> Thanks, dad. There's people on I a think set. The only, the only one that I wanted to see, and I think, and it was rated R and I was underage, was Jaws. Mm-hmm. I said, um... Poltergeist. I was older when it came out. The only and I I didn't get scared through it. I just got grossed out at one scene, and I've told you over and over. And I, <laughs> this is the meat yeah. scene. The meat scene. Yeah, where it crawls yeah. across the counter and starts turning into maggots, and it just there. You know, every time it comes on, I have to turn my head. Like, I can't watch. That's just gross. <laughs> Let's think, talk about the like the Spielberg, the Amblin movies, or whatever movies that are. Had sequels that got progressively horrible. Jaws. <laughs> That's an entire show, man. Yeah, yeah. Progress. And we were talking about Hellraiser earlier. It's like, wow, how many horrible sequels did they make to that? <laughs> well, and then whenever you start hearing that uh, Clive Barker wants to revitalize that, I was just like, oh, yeah. That's oh, what Steven no. was just talking about. But he wants to make it into a show, a TV show. Uh, I, uh, just Nightbreed. Oh, Nightbreed, not Hellraiser. Okay, yeah. That I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I, I'd watch make... that. But, you know, it, it, Clive Barker's gotten really weird. I mean, he was always weird. But now it's kind of, I'm not quite sure he knows what he's doing. Because I think he wants to do the last, one last Hellraiser movie. Hey, did you guys hear this? George Romero's Empire of the Dead set for TV series. Oh. Uh, yeah. Too little, too late. Dim- yeah, you know, there's an ad- a TV adapt- adaptation of George Romero's Empire of the Dead, a 15 issue graphic novel published by Marvel Comics, has been is being developed for television. The series will be written by Romero and longtime partner Peter Grunwald, executive produced by those same guys, I guess. Um, I won't then- poo poo it. It's got to be better than The Walking Dead. And then they tell you who George Romero is. Iconic iconic filmmaker who in 1968 created (laughs) Night of the Living Dead. He conceived the idea of a zombie apocalypse. 
Oh, man, I've got, like, hiccups all of a sudden. What the hell? I thought George Romero was the guy that did the Renaissance biker movie. <laughs> yeah, he did that, too. I want to see a TV series of that. <laughs> oh, my God. What was that called? The With Ed Harris. Um, Ed Harris and... Night Riders? Yeah, Night Riders. <laughs> That's what it's called. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was called Night Riders. <laughs> I am the Night Rider. Oh my God, it was Night Riders. Fuel injected suicide machine. Oh, how great is that in the first Mad Max when Max, uh, he basically he plays chicken with him, and the Night Rider loses, and he's like, "It's all gone, everything I had." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just, and he's like. <laughs> He starts crying. Wait, I thought you were a fuel injected suicide machine. Why are it's you like, now depressed? Max psyched him out and he just had no confidence anymore. <laughs> and by the way, um, it happens really quickly. But did you guys notice the bulging eyes in one part? Was it one of Max's <laughs> visions of the bulging eyes coming it out? It is. Uh, because in the first Mad Max and in the Road Warrior, uh, there's a part where uh, the toe cutter. You know, he yeah. pulls off his uh, goggles and his eyes go, <laughs> Before he gets slammed into the truck, driven by a guy who had no idea he was actually going to be hitting a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's so funny when you see the making of that, that they put a big thing, uh, like a plate on the front of the truck. And, and paint. it's painted. <laughs> it's painted to look like a truck on the front. And once you notice it, you can never unsee so, it again. The, yeah, the painted the headlights. and Yeah. Ugh. And uh, but uh, in you know the road warrior Max opens the truck and a body falls out with eyes bulging out. But in uh, Mad Max Fury Road, is it in one of his visions, one of his little nightmare visions? He sees. Yeah, it is. Eyes? Yeah, I gotta see that again. I need to have dialogue. What does uh, um, Immortan Joe say about water? Like you can't have too much of it because then when it's gone <laughs> or something. It'll drive you mad or something. Yeah, yeah. He's basically. I love how he's trying to to talk the uh, the the masses down. Like, oh, you can't have too much of it. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see this? That Michael B. Jordan wrote an article for Entertainment Weekly on being uh, Johnny Storm. No. It's very interesting. I read it, but I I honestly I think it's back when they first announced he was going to be. The oh. and people online like basically in the, I read it he says that you know they everyone says whatever you do don't read Twitter or whatever once you're casting that's just the way people are you know and what I want to know is what's going on with Josh Trent quite frankly yeah because <laughs> I'm hearing nothing but awful things I know but uh, Michael B. Jordan said that he went online and looked and people's main problem was that it said a black guy. I don't like it. They must be doing it because Obama's president. It's not true to the comic. Or what are they doing? They're ruining it. He said, it used to bother me, but it doesn't anymore. I can see everybody's perspective. And I know I can't ask the audience to forget 50 years of comic books. But the world is a little more diverse in 2015 than when the Fantastic Four comic first came out in 1961. Plus, if Stan Lee writes an email to my director saying, you're good, I'm okay with this, who am I to go against that? And I actually, when I first saw it, I think my, I have no problem with Michael B. Jordan. I think he's a fantastic actor. In fact, mm -hmm. when I saw it, I was like, that's great casting. The problem, the thing that confused me was that 
Johnny Storm and Sue Storm are siblings, and Kate yeah. Mara was. I was like, one of them's adopted, right? That's right, what I right. assume. It just seemed like, why not make uh, Sue Storm also? Yeah, yeah, that would certainly make things a little easier biologically. But instead, well, they make you it could, if, where she's adopted. If you're like you're saying, you're showing diversity. Yeah, which I, one's adopted? Is the white girl adopted into the black? Right. Girl, vice I mean, versa. I just say make. Yes, them, I believe that's what it is because the the scientist father is. Uh, uh, African American, but true. if you go by the way of thinking that I see many directors say, whoever's right for the part, cast them. It doesn't matter, and I understand that. So if Kate Morrow is the perfect Sue Storm you saw, then okay, just write it that she's adopted or whatever. I have no problem with that. But he needs to know, like we've learned over time, do not read Twitter because every time <laughs> yeah. new casting announcements are made, everyone bitches about it. And it just me, just turn off the internet in general. Yeah, it was like this most recent blown out of proportion thing that Simon Pegg said, Bill. Oh my god, do you, can you believe that shit? Everyone took the bait and they got reeled in, didn't they? Well, you know what? And and my biggest problem is IO9. Like I do not read IO9 on anymore. I cannot stand the writers and it and it's not necessarily their political viewpoints their, or anything author. like that it's their their ability to manipulate and take things out of context right. and then have it explode yeah to uh, fire people up that's what they yeah. want to do and you share the link so other people oh i got to read this and stuff and it's almost like what simon Pegg is saying about how like i understood exactly what he was saying yeah. when you yeah. read when you read actually what he said He's not being a dick. I understand what he says about when you read about something like the Fantastic Four, people getting riled up about that. And I wasn't I didn't even know a lot of people were, uh, but I wasn't yeah. Michael B. Jordan. He was paying attention to it, obviously. But it does take away you paying attention to real world things. And I started thinking this crazy thought that. All these comic book movies, it's a conspiracy. Yeah. Making all these comic book movies to keep us all focused on all this mundane casting screenshots. And I saw someone tweet like, is there a live feed on the set of Suicide Squad? How is all this shit leaking yeah. out there? It's well, like, even I posted that. It was like, uh, you know, I, I want to thank the Internet for revealing <laughs> every scene during the making of Suicide it's, Squad it's so that live, I don't have guys. to see it. It's they live with comic book movies and sci-fi movies where we're all just paying attention to internet shit. Right. The real world's out here, guys. We're not paying attention to it. Well, and it's exactly blown. what Simon Pegg said is that it's it's this this dangerous area that we've gotten into where it's like it's infantizing us. Like we we're so stuck yeah. on nostalgia. Yes. And that we become obsessed with it to the point where we lose focus on the now. Right, right. When you start thinking about, I was thinking about like, I I haven't written fan fiction, but uh, (laughs) people who write fan fiction. Thank God. Don't never admit that you have. You want to go up and put a hand on the show and go, you could be creating your own thing. Story. The Fifty Shades of Grey lady, that was like Twilight fan fiction, right? She made it well, into her own franchise. Yeah, and look at look at all those young adult novels that ended up coming out, like the Divergence and Insurgent. And, I mean, it, they, they see something happen, and then they, they take on that, and they just explode it. I was just talking to Natalie the other day in the car about how a lot of people, after 
uh, Pulp Fiction came out wanted to be Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. But what they, they didn't understand is that Quentin Tarantino got his film score. You know, all his films are sprinkled with homages of things that he saw. You know, he got a film school education in a grindhouse video store. So he knew how to celebrate those things, but then other people saw what he was doing, I think you just didn't have that base of, of knowledge. <laughs> a yeah, well, yeah. Video store. <laughs> yeah. It was a video they store didn't have that base of knowledge, and then movie. they tried to make Quentin Tarantino movies, but they had right. no idea what the fuck they were doing. Oh, sorry. Bill, what Bill, what they were doing. That. Like, remember that Two Days in the Valley? Yes. All just... All those movies. Remember things to do in Denver when you're dead? And yes. Like that? They all wanted to make their new Pulp Fiction. Even Remember the even... Doug Lyman film yeah. that I kind of enjoy. Go. 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 Yeah, I just thought of that, too, at the same time. Yeah, it just, it's, it's, we fall into this trap. And it's, I think whenever you get a movie like Mad Max Fury Road that kind of celebrates creativity. Oh, dude. You know we're going to have offshoots of that like well shit right if you can well, i don't well, even like there was a shitload of after the road warrior mad max 2 there was a shitload of copycats direct yeah. video movies and they were all awful <laughs> yeah and it, again die hard die hard came out and then it was die hard on a plane die and hard in a boat die hard yeah. you know die yeah, hard in a bus out. die you know it was just but you know uh, all I'm saying is, if you took the time to read what Simon Pegg said, he wasn't dissing anyone. He, no. He is uh, a big, he's a huge dork geek or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> dork. He's king, he's king nerd. Yeah, he's a huge geek, all right? He's a, he loves what he loves and he loves it a lot. He's just saying that it comes to a point where it's like, maybe we're, we sometimes lose perspective here. And it's like, what? How dare you say that? I don't yeah. lose. Per- he's speaking in a generalized tone. He's talking about them, not you. Yeah, don't yeah take it's offense. it's fake rage. Yeah, oh, you know, it's I'm like everybody just wants me. to be upset by something. You know, oh, let's yeah. let's just all go rubble, rubble, rubble. The rubble. only thing I'm upset about Fantastic Four is the thing doesn't look good, and he doesn't have no brow. Well, you know what? Even just seeing the trailer for it again, I just like I'm not. I like I kind of like the idea of it that they like go to another dimension and stuff but it just looks just it's a real world setting for Fantastic 4 it's uh Christopher Nolan syndrome and yeah it's making me think of Wolverine Origins yeah and you know what I I I'll probably go see it what the hell I'll go see it I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm not a huge fan. Fanta- you know, the f- the first group of Fantastic Four films kind of... We're awesome. Put- <laughs> oh, hey, uh, sorry, I was finishing your sentence. What? what you <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll never forget the Christmas where my dad got me it on Blu-ray. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> dad, thanks. That. Thanks a lot. Thanks. And you know I what? Really, the- this has a fantastic opening scene where he dances. This is the funny thing, you know, I always think about is like, I was like, well, at least Jessica Alba's in it. No, she's hot or whatever. They made her look so weird. They give her blonde hair and blue contacts. Yeah. She looks bizarre. You know? Yeah. It's like, what did you do? You know, at least give me regular Jessica Alba or something, but it's not even that. You ruined no. everything. And the best thing about it, the second one was Silver Surfer. Doug Jones is Silver Surfer. Yeah, that's yeah. true. He looked great. He did. Doctor Doom sucked ass. <laughs> well, they also got the the worst actor for that part. His just voice was all wrong. Yeah, it was. It's bad. 
By the way, but yeah, I, Simon Pegg, poor Simon Pegg, being uh, crucified for speaking his mind in a yeah. in a in a constructive manner that people like to just. And you know what? Don't guys, anybody out there, don't just read the headline and go, "Well, what the hell is this shit?" and click on it, and you read it with your brow furrowed. Just yeah. look at the and all of these things where they go, "Well, here's what Simon," and they have a link to the original article. Right. Click on the original link. Don't read theirs where they're trying to get you fired up, and read what he says and think about it for a second and go, "Oh, okay, I understand what he's saying here." You know. I don't think I started anything. to do that. I think I, I think even it was... got what he meant, and I read the little their little snippet, and I'm like, okay, it's not horrible. Yeah, and, yeah. and I I agree with him, <laughs> and the fact that he actually had to post a an answer, like a reply on his blog, yeah, that he never uses, <laughs> but it was like. I guess I'm going to have to justify my comments. It's just like, really? I I felt awful for him. Yeah, you could tell somebody was like, you need to get a handle on this situation. Um, I read this news, and it's not like the kind of thing, you know, when there's casting news or whatever. Heroes Reborn, Greg Grunberg (laughs) returning. (laughs) I was like, no! That's the worst news I've heard all week. Parkman was the worst character (laughs) on that show. Yeah, he was. He was such a dipshit, and he's returning. And by the way, I saw the trailer. It was just a Super Bowl trailer, and I heard that effing music. That oh, that like that. You know that that atonal yeah shit. And I was like, no, change the music. It was Wendy and Lisa who did the music, you know, the Prince mm-hmm. Chicks or whatever. They do a lot oh. of TV show music now. Gotcha. They also, what the worst piece of music they've ever created is the theme to Nurse Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched Nurse Jackie. Oh, my God. Whenever it's on, I'm like, give me the remote. Give me the remote. I can't stand this theme song. It's the worst theme song I've ever heard. And I've got to play it for you guys. I, you guys just need to hear how bad this is. It's not so bad yet. Well, it's kind of soothing. Yeah. Oh. Oh, now we're in trouble. It hasn't gotten bad yet. Just wait. Yeah, that's really bad. I just hate it whenever it comes on. Like, oh, why is this the theme? I love Nurse Jackie, and I, we, Heather and I watch it since the beginning, but it's got the worst theme ever. That show, oh my God, I just, I can't believe it. Basically, what it's about is Carmela Soprano is a nurse who's also a drug addict. Yeah. And oh. the shit that she does in... Uh, oh my god, it's just yeah, crazy. She steals drugs from the hospital. And she does all there. sorts of things. She manipulates people. She steals drugs from patients. and It's just crazy. In other words, real life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, why do we keep watching this show? It's depressing. <laughs> it's depressing. <laughs> Did you guys watch the Mad Men ending? <laughs> you guys don't watch Mad Men, do you? No, I, you know what? No, uh, but uh, it's hard not to watch it 
with everyone talking about it. Like, yeah. the next morning, it was... Like, even if you've never watched Mad Men, you now know that Don Draper came up with the Coke theme thing in the 70s. You think. They don't outright tell you that. You assume that. But with Justified and now Mad Men, when shows are ending, it makes me so sad they're gone. It's gone. I've it's never... I, I, have, I didn't watch the last two seasons of Justified mm-hmm. because that that's... I don't know which season it was, but I was just like, oh, this is ponderous. And I, I couldn't finish the season. Was it like season four or season three? It was the one where, sure. where he started getting involved in questionable things to, well, that's every, well. <laughs> I'm not sure which uh, season you're talking was about. Was he trying to save money to to move somewhere or get out of the business or something and I think um, Boyd's wife was like kind of the one that was running the cat house, and then there was okay, just yeah, craziness was going on. Yeah, I was just, I was out. I, I like know. for some reason I just couldn't take it anymore. Right. It was like it was moving too slow. There well, was too it, many. Sometimes like, there were lulls in the storyline, but it, the show is always good and had great characters, so it got better. There was the the season with Michael Rappaport, which was very shaky that, because that's the one that I dropped out in. Um, they did a thing that all shows do, most shows do. Hopefully, it doesn't. It's not that long. I've talked about it with you guys, where one character from the show, the regular ensemble, is in prison. And yeah. I think the example was like Daytac in uh, yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. Um, that show. What's that show called? Uh, uh, Defiance? Defiance. Defiance, which is about to come back, by the way. I can't wait. Defiance was in prison for most of the episode. There was Tyrion on uh, Game of Thrones, was in the the dungeon, who's like the best character on the show. Get him out of there. What are you guys thinking? And, um, yeah, I just hate that plot device where somebody... Yeah, it was the Michael Rappaport thing that... Because I remember bailing about halfway through the season whenever it started getting into the episode where... Uh, there was something going on with a kid in the family of that crazy Rappaport right, right, family right. and the, the sister lawyer that may have been the mother of the child. I don't know. I was just like, I'm done. Done. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't but take the, it. The last season was really good, though. I, okay. I I'll I'll revisit it. I will. And Sam Elliott was the bad guy. Come on. That's. Oh, come on. Okay. Now I have to watch Garrett it. Garrett <laughs> Dillahunt was one of his uh, henchmen. Oh my God, that's brilliant! Garrett Dillahunt's always great. You know? God, I love Sam Elliott. Yeah, he's great. The double douche. What does he say in uh, in uh, um, that one movie, guys? <laughs> Damn beef, it. beef. It's what's for dinner. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? The Big Lebowski when he's sitting there with the dude and he goes, "Sometimes it eats you" or something. What does he say? What is that line? Sometimes, I can't remember. Wait, was that, sometimes you eat the worm, sometimes it eats you. Is that yes. what it is? Okay. That well, sounds about right. It doesn't even matter anymore because I have to ruin nope. it. <laughs> point, point taken. Yeah. I like your style, dude. <laughs> You're out of your element. Yeah. Basically what Drew McWeeny said about the new Poltergeist, remake offers half the scares and none of the heart. Oh. Uh, yeah. there, was, there was heart? In Pulp Mountain, I won't go there. The first one? Yeah. Yeah, the first one was pretty good. Yeah, it was. The third one was the best, though. 
I never saw the third one. <laughs> I just remember this. I remember the second one with the old creepy guy. You're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah, the third one was in a high rise. Oh my uh, god! And like, with Nancy Allen. And what I was so sad is like all the children, the chil- the, the actors, actors died. died. Yeah, it was right. Ways. I think that girl died from like shitting her pants or something. The young girl that was. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know the the oldest daughter was murdered. She was murdered by her boyfriend. The boy. Oh my god, that's horrible! I think it was the boy you're thinking of. Something to do. I would it's much all, rather die by shitting my pants than being murdered had by my boyfriend. Had surgery and she died. All right, and the boy died for some other tragic way. But it was just terrible. All I, I think is, it was really just the curse of the third Poltergeist movie. Well, all I know is if uh, they were making a new one and they go, well, how would you like to play a kid in this? It's like, no. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> and Sam Rockwell was like, oh, that's Craig T. Nelson's part? Yeah, totally. In the new Goonies movie instead. Uh, <laughs> uh. Oh, and uh, Natalie and I started watching uh, Bloodline on Netflix. And uh, it's right, one of those slow that. burn shows. That some people will either really like, or some people will just watch one episode and be like, "eh." Oh, I, but, I uh, like slow burn. I'm good. Yeah, but we we love it, and I swear to God, it, today was kind of a rough day for us both, so we just kind of laid in bed and watched uh, three episodes of it. And uh, holy shit, it's like after we were done, I felt like I needed to go on walkabout. Like it just, it's just emotionally devastating it's 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 a really intense show and uh, uh, uh definitely what's his name watch it coach taylor's fantastic <laughs> oh i i highly intend i fully intend to watch it and my dad has recommended it too he's already binged watched it yeah you know what it's funny you mentioned your dad because while i was watching it i was kind of feeling like a, a cormac mccarthy vibe to it like uh-huh. a and I and I remember your dad talking about the counselor in that you know whenever yeah. he had seen that and it, it's it's got a very Cormac McCarthy vibe to it so yeah it, it works really well and it's beautiful setting the Florida Keys yeah it's from the makers of Damages I believe yeah and I God that I I I kind of bailed on Damages after two seasons but that first season of Damages is some of the best television I've ever seen nice yeah I so it's that was a did great you ever show finish Daredevil. Yes. Oh, cool. I didn't really Oh, my did. God, yes. And Vincent D'Onofrio is freaking brilliant. Like, it just, some of those episodes where he's, uh, it really, it gets into his backstory. Yeah. I was just blown away. Like, I mean, those were, those were some, those were show-stealing moments. Yeah, that was like, that's the best comic book shit I've seen, basically. Yeah, it really is. Uh, uh, but yes, fantastic show. I don't understand how anybody could uh, poo-poo that. Yeah, it was great. So. And way to go, Netflix, man! And I, you know, it's it's disappointing to hear that uh, Bloodline isn't a huge hit for them. But uh, I hope I have a feeling. I, I'm telling you that there's going to be some uh, Emmy and Golden Globe nominations, particularly Maybe. for uh, Ben Mendelsohn, who plays the oldest brother uh, uh, named Danny. He's an Australian actor who has who I've always loved. He's always played kind of like a villainous role. Uh, but uh, this is just completely different from anything he's ever I've ever seen him in, and uh, 
there's not an ounce of his Australian accent in this character, which yeah. is wonderful because a lot of times you have guys like uh, Andrew Lincoln who puts like long A's on everything. Well, you know, I'm when you said uh, it's not a huge hit for Netflix. Why do you say that? Because they're they their numbers, their streaming numbers. Yeah, are much, much release. lower than they had anticipated. Netflix never releases that information to anybody. Somebody somebody has it because there was something on there. like It's like a half to a third of what Daredevil got. But you would yeah. expect that. I don't, I don't know if I even trust that. I think I know the article you're talking about because Netflix has already renewed it for a second season. Uh, Bloodline. I did not know that, so that's fantastic news. And I keep calling it Bloodlines, but it's Bloodline. Yeah, right? it's Bloodline. Because it's a family bloodline. Yeah, and it's like, very um, – if you ever liked, you know, kind of – if you take like a show like Dynasty or Dallas or anything like that and then turn it on its head, like kind of make it more uh, reality-based but still have that kind of uh, family uh, dynamic. Right. Like, I definitely Yeah, like uh, Natalie just said behind me, like ordinary people, kind of a just – it's yeah. – it's really, it's such, I can't say, I mean, we're only five episodes in, it's 13 episodes, but, uh, you know, it just, it's got us locked in. Yeah, I can't wait me, to like, watch more of it. Heather and I have talked about, like, during the summer, this summer, we're going to watch it. Yeah, great. Perfect. We're definitely, and I, I'll say this about, like, uh, Marco Polo. Remember when that got renewed, the guy who uh, runs uh, Netflix, he said, uh, you know, they don't really generally care. If reviews are great for a show, great. But we listen to the fans. And the fans yeah. want another season. We're giving it to them. And I'm like, well, hell yeah. Like, uh, they don't go by ratings for a reason because they don't give a shit. They want people to, the main thing, this is what they want. They want Netflix subscribers to increase every right. year. And by the way, I just remembered, I am so freaking excited about the Wachowskis series, Sense8, which starts like June 5th. So that's just around the corner, and I can't wait to binge watch that. I had forgotten all about that, that that Sense8 was uh, the Wachowskis show. Yeah, did you watch the trailer I posted on Facebook yet? Yeah. Where people are, eight people are linked, and they can all basically take over each other's bodies when they need to. Which I never, like, when you read the synopsis for the show, you're like, okay, I don't get it. But then when you realize that they can take over each other when they need to, that's pretty cool. Wow, and it's uh, it's uh, Andy and Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. Yeah. Uh, who has a huge cult following. I, I loved his work on... Uh, um, the real Ghostbusters. Yes. Uh, I'm <laughs> never watched Babylon five, but <laughs> it has its fans. I'll never forget the first, like how to write a screenplay book I ever read <laughs> was by J. Michael Straczynski. Yeah. And, uh, I never watched uh, Babylon 5. You said you did, Steve. Yeah, I did. Wa- I watched the first season or two, I guess. If, at the time when it was on, I don't think I had, I, I don't know what is it was on channel twenty one or something like it was like yeah yeah it was one of those it was like UPN yeah whatever I don't think I had a, a good reception <laughs> yeah. I can believe like that. got like three channels or something I was so you know what for a while I, I the only Babylon five has I've never watched it don't I really really even care to watch it but it has a special place for me because that's whenever that show was airing. 
whenever my father was in the hospital with uh, whenever he became an incomplete paraplegic and he would call me at night after he watched it because there was a nurse on his floor that would come in every night for like the three months that he was in the hospital and watch it with him and then he would call me and tell me about it so i I feel like I have a connection to the show and I appreciate it, but I've never watched it. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where I would be like, if that was remastered in HD, I, I it, might give it a try. It, <laughs> it always just it. looks so goofy to me. Even right now, looking at it on Wikipedia, going, wow, that looks like a really Look, lame Star Trek it ripoff. It came out around the same time as Voyager. Not Voyager, uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, oh, yeah, see, I watched were, Voyager. I remember Deep reading similarities between the two. And, uh, okay. But the I thing didn't is, care for Deep Space Nine because it was... A oh, sacrilege. Deep Space Nine's like the uh, the hipster Star Trek fan. Like, that, they, that's well, the show that, like, the the Star the real Star Trek fans love. See, I never watched uh, uh, Babylon 5, but I always heard that the storylines were great. The story was great. And that J. Yeah. Michael Straczynski, he always told everyone, I know how it's going to end. I have it all planned out. And people were, like, on board and excited. So It kind of took me a- back to the, like, uh, the old Buck Rogers and uh, mm-hmm. Battlestar It's days. like they did what they could with the budget they had. Right. You know? <laughs> And like if you if you know because I'm that age group, I, can't, I it was very familiar to me and it felt good. And, and uh, Billy Moomy was in that Billy too. Moomy. Billy Moomy, man, Billy Moomy. I loved him on the live test show. <laughs> <laughs> the live test show. Oh my god! I always remember Antibert go. Here's a track off your album, and he would play it and be like, "No one wants to hear this shit." <laughs> Billy Moomy's record. Moomy's record. Billy Moomy's new album. Billy Moomy. Uh, Billy Dementos. Moomy's new album. That just sounds <laughs> awful. Dr. Demento. Oh my god, it's so bad. It's just like nobody. We just want to hear him talk about Lost in Space or that yeah, episode really. of Twilight Zone where he's a little shit who controls everything. Show us where Doctor Smith touched you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, I know what I'm going to do now. I have a, two voicemails that I want to play. The first one is from Jim from Massachusetts, so let's check it out. Hey, Jason, this is Jim from Florida, and I'm going to leave you some feedback on your latest ETL Daily podcast. Uh, first, I want to say, though, is uh, thank, thank you and Adam both for your kind words about my son. I was really appreciated. Um, you know, we're all doing a lot better down here, and everything's going really well. But I do have some feedback for you. The first I want to get to, I just recently saw Avengers with my wife. And you know, I want to start off by saying I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Had a lot of fun. Didn't really have any problems with it. And from the first uh, fight scene in the beginning, it was great. I loved that continuing shot with them just kind of going back and forth between each Avenger. And oh, yeah, it, it, it worked really well. You know, you didn't, get really, you didn't get lost in where everybody was. You always knew what was going on. And it was it was nice to kind of it was, it was nice seeing that kind of a shot. I like when they kind of, when they do that kind of stuff, especially when there's a lot of action going around. Hard, it's got to be hard to do. I can't even imagine. But it was really well done. The whole movie was fantastic. Um, with that being said, though, I have to admit, by the end of it, and they had that little post-credit <clears throat> scene there, I was a little I got I started to feel kind of very, I guess, is the right word for it, because I was thinking when Iron Man came out, I think it was like 2007 or 2008, and now it being 2015, you know, the 
Yes, I agree. Are you there? The other thing I wanted to say was, <laughs> I'm the same as you. I've watched the Star Wars trailer online probably about one time. Finally got my uh, stepdaughter to watch it with me, who had not seen any of the Star Wars movies. And she's 12, and she watched the trailer with me and said, oh, that looks really good. And she uh, finally conceded and is willing to watch the original trilogy with me, which I'm hoping to start tonight. Nice. Um, you know, school night and everything. Got to make sure we start early enough. But yeah, she finally agreed to watch it. Me and my wife and her are going to sit down tonight. You know, and sit down full time for and watch Star Wars. Sounds like a great Monday night to me. Okay. Um, that's all I thought. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the feedback and I really enjoyed the show. And I will talk to you guys later. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jim. And I'm sorry, uh, some of the voicemail was a little uh, distorted there, but I think I got the idea. You're showing your daughter the original trilogy, which is awesome. That I got. I didn't get anything. I heard Iron Man, and I, I didn't hear anything I, I else. About the Infinity Stones. I think what, I what he's saying was, is... like, how many Infinity Stones are going to... Yeah, gonna how long and, is this um, kind of going to go on, and what does it all Infinity mean? Stones I, and, they're yeah. leading up to the Infinity War, where basically yeah. they fight Thanos, and he has that glove with the Infinity Gems, and he's super powerful. Things will seem dire. We can't beat this guy. And you know what? I have a feeling they're going to pull it off, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I was kind of thinking the exact same thing. At this point, I'm just, I understand Marvel's schedule, but can they just step it up a little bit? Because I'm yeah, getting yeah, a little they're irritated. Gonna, they're going to be coming out forever. I just want some kick-ass action scenes. By the way, I loved Vision in the Avengers. Can I just say that? I yeah, I I, that that's before. what makes me the, the most sad, is that Vision has the mind gem, correct? Yes. And... At some point, Thanos has to have that in the Infinity Gauntlet. So oh, when the Mind Gem is taken out of Vision, are we going to lose Vision? Oh, no. He's not getting it, man. <laughs> I have no idea. But keep uh, listening to the show and keep sending those voicemails because we love it. And less distorted voicemails. <laughs> no, we got the idea. Hey, he's on the move. Yes. And we have another voicemail. This one from Adam. Which Adam? I'm gonna. Yeah, have you which guys, one? I'll let you guys guess based on the voice. All right. What's up, ETL landfill oh, guys? It's Adam from the Bay Area. Uh-huh. Currently headed out of the Bay Area with my family. Family, say hello to my friends on the interwebs. Hello. We're headed to Yosemite. We're going oh, camping. Nice. We're unplugging for a weekend, which is much needed. Taking some. Wait, can I just say something here? I had no idea. I didn't listen to this voicemail before this. I've been to Yosemite National Park twice. I've been to Yosemite. You've been to Yosemite National Park? <laughs> I have not. Okay, I just want to Actually, you- Natalie and I drove through Yosemite or on the way to Ohio. The first time... The outskirts of it. <laughs> this was... Uh, it was so funny. Um, you know, it was me and my two sisters and uh, our stepmom and her best friend and her son, Brad. 
And my dad wasn't even with us until he joined us later because of his job. And it was so weird being with this lady we didn't really know really well yet. He just didn't want to be there with Brad. Brad. And uh, I wonder what Brad's up to now. But um, I never forget. We went the next summer. We're going back to Yosemite. This is kind of a gross story. I got (laughs) sick the way there. Oh, no. I mean, I thought I was dying. I was vomiting out the window of the car as we were going there. My dad wouldn't even pull over. I was throwing up out the window. And I'll never and this is multiple times by the way, not just Thanks, once. Dad. I'll never forget arriving and we were at a gas station <laughs> all over the car. <laughs> <laughs> side of the car my dad had to get the car wash Jason, you want a candy bar? <laughs> I'll never forget this we set up camp or they set up camp I was a mess I, I, did, I collapsed in the tent I don't know how many hours passed but I'll never forget this waking up no one was there they left oh my me God. in the camp alone well, he's out. Let's just go. And they went <laughs> off or whatever. And I was like, Let's go hiking so he can get I didn't know where I, I was or what was going on. I'll never I forget that. I thought the rapture happened and everyone, I was left behind and <laughs> everyone so else was taken. It's so funny how things occur to me as a father that never occur to my dad. <laughs> like, hey, he needs to know he's okay. Uh, everything's okay. And then we're right over here. But it's like, eh, he'll be, uh, he'll be asleep. He won't know. And they didn't they even leave, leave it. No note? No, we are in, in the woods or whatever. And I was in a tent. There was no paper? Why, why <laughs> no. even consider me, you know? I'm uh, sick and asleep. I can't do them any help or anything. <laughs> oh, my God. By the way, Laura and I, you know, I got better after a day or whatever. Laura and I uh, and Vanessa, uh, with my dad and stepmom, Yaja, she was Polish. We were going up to, we we're hiking up a mountain to see these falls. And we'd already done enough hiking. We were tired. And Laura and I, I don't know how we did it, but we told them we want to just go wait at the car. We don't want to do this anymore. We're sick of hiking, sick of the trail mix or whatever. It's not doing us any good. Basically, <laughs> we are the worst kids to take to a national park. So they were like, fine, go meet us at the car. Somehow on the trail back, we got lost. And we were wandering in the wilderness. And we had no idea. We were lost as in we're going to die. Like hours passed. And I will never forget this feeling like Laura and I. Do we just stand still or do we just keep walking? I guess we we just kept walking. And... Uh, we didn't know where we were. We lost the trail. We weren't even on a trail. We were just walking through trees and leaves and stuff. <laughs> and I'll never forget, finally, we saw them drive up. They go, Vroom. and they were there. My dad and my stepmom, Vanessa, they didn't say a word. They just opened the door. We got in. Didn't say, where were you? Anything. They were so terrified that they didn't say a word to us. And as we were driving back to the camp, you know, it was just all quiet. And Laura goes, pull over, pull over. And she just goes, and she just vomited like everywhere. I was like, best vacation ever guys. This caps it all off. This is a best family vacation. That's a true Griswold family vacation. Oh my God. It was terrible. And I, I don't even remember them ever yelling at us or anything. It was just like, don't say anything. 
We're not ever saying a word about this incident. You guys are alive, thank God, and let's just forget this vacation never happened. CPS isn't taking you away from us for abandoning you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's my Yosemite trip, and I hope Adams is much better. Let's check out the rest of his voicemail. Lego up there, gonna have a good time. I was trying to download the Chuck Companion show before I hit town because the Jstrom called me or texted me and said he was editing it today. I was hoping it would get posted, but no such luck. But that's okay, I got a backlog of episodes. Plus, I also downloaded this new podcast that became highly came highly recommended from Ross. It's called We're Alive, and it's a um, like a radio serial style broadcast, uh, but it's in podcast form, obviously, and it's all about a zombie outbreak. And the nice. acting is a little, uh, you know, it's okay. And voice acting, you know, they're trying to carry the story with no the words they Mulberry. say. Uh, so it can be a little weird, but it's still pretty entertaining. So I got some of those loaded on there, and it's going to be a good time. Oh, but anyways, really enjoyed the last two shows. Adam Sexton did a great job on uh, Joker's Inc., that episode. Um, and I love the name of that title. That's the, the title of that episode. It's really good. And then also, is your arm getting tired, April? Yeah. April's holding the phone for me while I'm recording this. <laughs> and I can just tell her arm is wavering. Uh, okay. And then I also wanted to say, I can't tell you guys how much I love hearing the old MJ design uh, stories. And it's so cool that Jason decided to pick up his dad's framing tool belt and jump in and, oh, and, yeah. uh, and go into belt. the family business uh, at MJ design, even though Terry did didn't work at MJ Design. Still yeah. kind of neat that he wanted to do what his dad did. That's what I ended up doing. That's why I'm a carpenter also. And uh, so anyways, I know that's kind of a joke, but whatever. But uh, yeah, I love those stories of you guys. And then if Bill, I don't know if Bill's recording the show tonight, but I just wanted to say, um, if you guys don't follow Natalie on Instagram, you should. <laughs> She's hilarious. And I really enjoy watching the videos of her and Bill goofing off in like the fishing game store or building the chicken coop or whatever it's it's very entertaining and i hope that they make a youtube channel and even do a podcast or something on themselves and kind of just keep it all tied in you know keep the mulberry thing going keep adam sexton's thing up at hollywood well eh, whatever and then just maybe some of this bill what? and natalie thing but okay april is really in pain i have to go to kaiser <laughs> and pick her up a swing so have a great show i love you guys bye say bye everybody Oh, the Howard family. Thank you guys so much. Poor April, her arm sore. <laughs> we just did a, an anatomy and physiology thing about that. He said something about Hollywood Saloon and then was like, no, never mind. <laughs> something like that. I don't oh, know. my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's funny you sent me that chicken video of you guys. <laughs> She films a lot of that stuff, doesn't she? Yeah, you know what? It's we like to have fun with it, and um, she has always been uh, very artistic and uh, entertaining, and uh, we have fun doing it. Even on my days where I'm absolutely miserable, <laughs> she'll find a way to um, shoot a video <laughs> and cheer me up. Let me ask you something: um, Is on the Instagram app? Do you shoot the video and it just automatically posts to it? Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. Um, With plenty of complaints with the Instagram app, you used to be able to edit things. Now you can't. Uh, It's kind of a pain in the ass. So you uh, if you lose the moment, you're screwed. Uh, Uh, But yeah, we'll we'll we do that a lot. Um, Yeah. Her Instagram is at love natty. So 
uh, if anybody wants to check out her Instagram page, uh, L-O-V-E-N-A-T-I. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we have fun with it. Uh, you have to, <laughs> it's kind of, a, it's absurd, especially whenever we added the, uh, the chickens and this coop is the never ending coop. Uh, every time we go out, it's the never ending coop build. You guys and, uh, working on that a long time. Yeah, we have been because, you know, it's like you have school and then you have weather and, uh, it's mostly built. Now we're just getting siding on, and uh, next week we should be you, getting the roof. I pictured you so frustrated that like it's almost built, and you're like, you know what? And then lighter fluid, and just oh, dude, we have we have talked about it. Paints his teeth silver. <laughs> yeah, yep, no, yeah. We paint doing? our teeth silver, and then we light it on fire and jump into it. It's like the bridge on the River Kwai. You just fall on that. <laughs> It's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Uh, the chickens are thankfully in the coop for a while now. Uh, there was a point where we were like, okay, we have to get these this coop built because the chickens. I kept adding boxes uh, to the brooder where we kept them in the back <laughs> utility room. Right there, I can hear them. Can you imagine going to sleep and ten feet from your head is that sound? At no. three in the morning, you can hear them that well. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You, well, whenever they were in the brooder box, now you know they're in the coop. But now they're we haven't built the run that contains them within the area. So now can they I, just free range. Me, can I ask and they are the question, Bill? Why do yeah. you have chickens? <laughs> why because we chicken? like eggs, and it's, it's 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 for the eggs, right? It's really for the eggs. Yeah, and we just we just had our first chicken loss last week. Uh, the uh, the blue one of our crested cream leg bars. They they lay these beautiful blue eggs. Uh, one ended up in Webster's mouth some somehow. Oh, he's like I swear I <laughs> yeah I was outside I was getting what the is it? the it's weed whacker ready. <laughs> I look up and there's Webster just coming across the yard. With this beautiful chicken in his mouth, and I just scream, Webster, no! Like, it just, I was, it was just one, it was like slow-mo. Like, I was waiting for the web, for, for Webster to drop the chicken, and it just miracul- miraculously stand up and shake its feathers. But, no, that didn't happen. Do you think it was already dead and he just found it? No, because the other day we were down there and he went into full hunt mode, he had his leg up. And he chased one of the chickens, and I was like, "You little shit, you chicken it's, killer!" It's their instinct, isn't it? They want to. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, it. I. Yeah, my uh, uncle, my uncle had chicken uh, chickens, and he and a really tall fence, and he had yeah. a rather large dog, and it would jump over the fence, kill him, and jump back out. Because it just is their instinct. Like, yeah. I gotta yeah. kill that thing. Yeah. And it's like he didn't even eat it. It's like he just grabbed it and I'm guessing shook it to death. And he probably felt bad when he was done. Was <laughs> he did? Oh, his head was oh, down. I did it. I just had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it's if honestly the, the look on his face. If you're there with him, will he not attempt it? It's when you kind of turn your back to. Him. Yeah, yeah. Whenever he thinks we've lost like the attention. So now, anytime he's out there, I try to make sure his uh, collar is on his his electric collar. Uh, and uh, keep an eye on him, but like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of times, though, we'll just keep him in the house. Uh, he's good around the big girls because the big girls at this point are uh, quicker. It's the little you know? ones that he wants to. Get. Yeah, 
it's the little ones that he preys on. He's an asshole. Speaking really. of, um, what's Natalie's dog's name? August. I saw the video <laughs> of August. I, I, I'm going to call it assaulting uh, Webster. <laughs> That's yes, assault. August brother. regularly assaults Webster, and, and Webster so, just doesn't care. It's so funny about it. The video is Webster's just like doing his thing. He doesn't realize that this little dog is like. <laughs> Hey, I'm trying to have sex with you. Can you stand yeah. still, please? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Webster just goes about chewing his bone while August is just going at it. Like, <laughs> what is that all about? It's just some dogs are humpy. You know what it is? August was not neutered because uh, oh. one of his testicles did not descend. Yikes. Yeah. So in order to have him neutered, he, they would have to do basically exploratory surgery, and that's a ridiculous amount of money. We gotta find he, that ball. <laughs> yeah, and he's tiny. He's not gonna hurt anything. You're he's eight pounds. He's eight pounds of uh, suicide sex machine, <laughs> and he, Cock you know, so he just does his thing once in a while. Yeah, he's just gotta. Uh, you just yeah. let him go. It's I'll, best to just let him go. Every, when I live with my cousins, Kim and Candy, she had a little chihuahua named Harvey. And, <laughs> Harvey! Uh, Harvey the like, chihuahua. She had, like, these slippers that he wanted, like, to... Uh, <laughs> he wanted... Did he have a Pee Wee Herman doll, too? No, he was afraid of the Pee Wee Herman okay. doll. Okay. But there were, like, oh. these... I think they're, like, these seal slippers, and he'd go over and he'd start doing it, and you'd go, like, get those away from him! <laughs> There's one time, <laughs> sadly... Finished. This is it's a sad story, but she left him out, and we were all gone at work. And she came home. He was slumped over <laughs> next to the seal slipper, completely exhausted, and his poor thing was a mess. It was like it was he was ruined. He's you picture him. I picture he's eight hours, maybe ten hours. Oh, so much of a good thing. And he was done. And he couldn't move. He, I mean, Kim thought he was dead. Oh, no. But he was still alive. He was just, he was, uh, he was in the afterglow. There's a such thing as just too much of a good thing. Am I right? Yeah. Well, that's too why we much. have to, we chase August off of him after, you know, it's a little bit. It's like, if you can't get it done, just stop doing it. <laughs> so, you know, we don't, we don't encourage it. But when we do see it, it's funny to a point. It's funny, <laughs> it's like, it's funny okay. for like a second, then it's like, okay, this is kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's depressing. It's really depressing. <laughs> You're making me really sad. You just need to stop. Yeah. I just love the video. I was just looking at Webster. He's just like, has just, eh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't care. He does that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something he does. I just think of that line from Billy Madison where he goes, that's assault, brother. <laughs> that's assault, brother. It's like, I dare you to grab her boobs. And he goes, that's assault, brother. <laughs> yeah, uh, August is a, um, we actually had to register him as a sex offender oh. whenever, he, whenever he moved here. <laughs> Has he done it to, I know this is 
probably not. To the cat? I was going to say the chickens. <laughs> no, he hasn't done it to the chickens yet. <laughs> I think he's scared of the chickens. All I know is if he wa- were to do that, you got to capture it on video. Oh, my God, yes, because then he would be a chicken bird. <laughs> he, he, he's he's, he's got the chicken. Grab the camera. <laughs> no, he hasn't done that or the cat yet. Hey, but the bear for- <laughs> 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 Natalie just grabbed August and covered his ears and said, don't listen to them. <laughs> I just always think of that from uh, Super Troopers. Hey, um, Bearfker. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Natalie says that, you know, August does prefer male dogs. Um Hey. Yeah, she's like, I love my gay dog. Because there's nothing wrong, you know, dog. not that there's anything wrong with that, right? No, there's nothing wrong with that, but he does have a band called Everything But The Ascot. So, he's uh, he's full and he's full and ready to go. He's Del Bulgy, he's like a moose. He's, yeah, he's gonna, he plays the bathhouses with Bette Midler and uh, Barry Manilow. And it's funny, is he's, what kind of dog is he? He's kind of, he's a multi-poo. He's like a little foo-foo, right? Yeah, and, um, yeah. <laughs> he's got the white kind of, uh, you know, I don't know what. Yeah, he's fluffy. He's poodle-ish? Yes, he is poodle. He's he's a Maltese and a poodle. So, so he fits, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It absolutely fits. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that that's August. And I was laughing, and then I was like, poor Webster has no idea what's going on, does he? No, you know what? Webster is blissfully ignorant on a lot of things. <laughs> what about the cat? Is he a Roshi Klom? No, the cat. You know what? It's funny is my cat likes it rough. So, and okay. I don't mean that in a way it should be taken, but she just likes to play rough. So she's very dog-like, though. So they, they, she plays like a dog. It's it's kind of hilarious. We I keep trying to like, get it on video, but uh, she's outnumbered two to one. Like she starts to think she's a dog. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she'll spend most of her time up on like the the the, the cat tree, or but she will she will get down and dirty when it needs to happen. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> well, not in a not in a, uh, a you know an August way, but oh, she uh, will. Play. You mean just to roll around and play with them, right? Exactly. Yeah. Does she? Do they ever get afraid of her? No, I don't think so. There was I that really one don't. Video. It was on Facebook a while ago where. Uh, it was big dogs afraid of cats, and it was so funny. <laughs> yes. I mean, I would, like stand up to the dog, and the dog would be like, "Ah!" There was one where a dog <laughs> kept trying walk to walk through the door. Yeah, or down the stairs. there was a dog kept trying to go upstairs, but the cat was waiting at the top, and the dog would come back down. <laughs> Just like, cats Whoa. are assholes, but <laughs> yeah. But thankfully, Maggie, Maggie is not. And there was one where a cat like scared a dog, where it fell in the pool or something like that. <laughs> You got to tread lightly around some cats. <laughs> and you know what? I was looking at uh, DVDs, and there's absolutely nothing this week. Oh yeah, dude. we haven't done it so long. The show's so long. I didn't even think yeah. about DVD. We're gonna, you know, we'll, we'll do it next week whenever there's actually some good releases. Well, you know what? The only DVD, the Blu-ray that matters right now is Mad Max Fury Road. I cannot wait to own that. I can't even. I noticed on the digital bits that they've already listed it on Amazon for pre-order. Wow. Yeah. yeah. They do that with a lot of stuff. They'll pre-order it months in advance. I want to own that movie, you guys, and watch it. Yeah, I think the biggest release will be uh not not this coming week, but the week after will be uh, uh Jupiter Ascending. 
finally hits Blu-ray. Hey, have they announced what kind of cut it is? Is it just a theatrical? Yeah, it's just a theatrical. Do you think they'll release an extended cut later? I would, I would hope so. Maybe, it, maybe once it does a little better in uh, home video release. But uh, do me a favor, Bill. You know, because it is a Wachowski's. When Jupiter, uh, when Jupiter, when oh my God, is it raining outside? She's soaking wet. Yeah, it's supposed to start. She's raining. out there barking in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> Barking no, when, in the rain. Sense- I think that's a that's someone's autobiography. <laughs> when Sensei comes out, will you uh, watch it so we can talk? Absolutely, about it? yeah. The moment it, the moment it hits, we'll start watching it. What about the? Uh, sorry, uh, the what? other one on Yahoo, the other space. Other space. Oh, I want to watch that so bad. I finished it this week. I, okay, I've watched the first three episodes yes. and I find it funny. I like it. Yes. And I will watch it, Bill. You you'll probably dig it. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's Paul Feig, and uh, it's got uh, Trace Beaulieu as the voice of a robot. And it's got Joel and Trace Joel. in it. Yeah, and, yeah Joel. And basically, and the, the voice is great on the robot, of course. And he's a great character, wouldn't you say, Art, the yeah. robot? Well, you know what I love is that, do you remember Mystery Science Theater 3000, um, Dr. Forrester's uh, mom, Pearl, yeah. uh, would call Crow Art? Would she? Yeah. Wow, I didn't even remember that. Why would yeah. you call him that? It was like that, that episode where uh, he writes um, Earth versus Soup, and uh, they're talking to him, they keep calling him Art. <laughs> so yeah, Pearl. whenever Pearl, after Frank leaves, and Pearl comes on as uh, Dr. Forrester's mom, uh, yeah, they she calls Crow Art. So when you watch Other Space, you'll fall in love with Art the Robot. I'm yeah. sure I will. Because it's basically... Uh, Just to hear Trace Ballyu's voice coming out of another robot is fine for me. Yeah, because it's like, oh, wait, it's Crow. <laughs> and it's Joel. <laughs> yeah. They just need a Tom Servo robot, they, don't they? <laughs> and, they, and they have the same kind of repertoire in this, yeah. you know. That's awesome. Yeah, you you should check it out. It's pretty cool. And I almost I like that it doesn't look like they have much of a budget, but right. it doesn't matter because it's a comedy in space. It's, it's kind a sitcom. Of like Red Dwarf. Yeah, it's a sitcom on a spaceship. Oh, nice. And they don't need a big budget or anything. You know, they just have they got silly storylines. Slightly lines. bigger crew than Red Dwarf. Yeah, and you, you but, and you once you get to know the actors, it, yeah. it's pretty funny. And there was a funny like I, I I follow it on Facebook, so I get little uh, little things. And there was a, a picture that made me laugh today, where it says, uh, "What was it?" There is no do or do not. There is only try. And it just made me laugh out loud that they were turning the uh, the Yoda quote on its head to yeah. be defeatist. Yeah, there's some funny references and stuff in it, too. It's so, pretty funny. It's, it's a good show. Yeah. I like the old Yahoo. And you know what? I figured out how to watch it on my Xbox on my TV. So oh, it's yeah. oh, nice. Because, uh, you know, they uh, Yahoo picked up Community. And I was like, if I can't watch it on my TV, I'm going to be pissed. I don't want to sit at my computer and watch it. And I, you know, use the browser and you can make it full screen and everything. And it looks HD and everything. And it looks fine. So I was like, how is the um, the community on Yahoo? Uh, It's good. It's been a good season. It's been really funny. They did a paintball episode this week that was so funny. And, you know, the Russo brothers who did Captain America Winter Soldier had directed many episodes of uh not many they've directed some i think they directed the first paintball episode of community oh wow i didn't know that 
so they did a moment in the show where, you know, everyone in the campus is paintballing for this big cash prize at the end. And the dean gets on an elevator and he's all by himself. And then the door, ding, and these guys get on. And all of a sudden he's surrounded by all these guys and he's just standing there. And it's just like the scene in Captain America, you know. <laughs> oh, nice. The dean is like this, uh, he's this, uh, you know, effeminate kind of sissy type guy. guy. So he's like, oh, oh, and he's just twirling around and he's shooting them on accident and stuff. <laughs> and, really and then when the doors open, he steps out and all the guys are like dead on the ground. <laughs> it was really great the way they did it. Like kind of like a tribute, an homage to Captain America Winter Soldier. It was funny. Oh, that's awesome. And the way they do shootouts, like everyone, when they get shot by the paintball, they act like they're dead. So they're basically doing f- fun shootouts and stuff. And they've been doing that on Community for years. But it's been a lot of fun. People are too hard on that show, too, that have been watching it for a while. They're like, oh, you know, it was better in the second season. It's like, dude, come on. Get over it. It's been on six seasons, and there's it's still consistently funny. I love it. That's awesome. I like it. So stuff like that. But, Bill, Steven, I'd like to thank you guys. Thank you. It's great whenever we get together and talk movies. And we had a pretty good Mad Max talk, wouldn't yes. you say? Yeah. Did you guys dig that? We'll get back together again to talk about some other movie. Uh, Ant-Man? When's that come out? August. You think Uh, you'll see that in the theater, Bill? Are you going to skip it? No, I'll see Ant-Man in the theater. At this point, I'm just morbidly curious. Like, I'm not not saying it's going to be bad, but it's just the entire time I'm watching it, I'm going to be thinking, is this Edgar Wright? Yeah, I'm going to have to put Edgar Wright out of my head as I watch it. And by the way, I keep reading about Edgar Wright doing this film called Baby Driver. Can I just say right now, I hate that title. What is, what's a baby driver? Is it like a little baby driving a car? I don't get it. Is that a person's name? Their name is Baby Driver? I just keep reading... Doing film Baby Driver. I'm like, what the hell is a Baby Driver? I don't like the title. Change it. Yeah, I don't like the title. It was funny because, you know, I've watched the Jurassic World trailer before movies. Like, I saw it before. You guys saw it before Mad Max, right? And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, more Jurassic World stuff. You know, forget about the whole, you know, of course, they need to make another dinosaur that's more killerific and stuff. and. I was like, hey, Dad, did you check out the Jurassic World trailer? And he goes, oh, it's embarrassing. I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, it's just a tired idea, tired concept, and they're doing it. Oh, there's a stronger dinosaur that's even more deadly. You know, I was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> you know, in a way, yeah. it, the same, a T-Rex is still just as deadly, but no, 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 no. There's a stronger dinosaur We've been combined put- the T-Rex with the Raptor and... Yeah, blah, blah. each trailer I see for it makes me feel less and less excited about it because it is so uninspired. Yeah, it's, it's just, just more... It's like, I'm almost... I can't believe it's taken this long to do another Jurassic Park because when yeah. you think about it, killer dinosaurs... That sells, man. If well, now it's one. now it's just killer dinosaurs. It's basically a killing floor for dinosaurs. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a fully packed a- park. Yeah. So now it's like, what would happen if all you know this killer dinosaur got out? And st- I think that the line that kills me in the trailer is, "It's hunting for sport." Yes, and I'm just like, you needed to tell us that. Well, the part that kills me in the trailer is when he goes, "So you created a new dinosaur." Probably not a good idea. 
And it's just like, yeah, I know. And that's the yeah. concept of the movie. the same writer from Blacklist. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Did you finally watch that episode? No. Oh, okay. No, but, I just make fun because you told me. But, you know, I'll see it. It's got velociraptors and shit, but I don't expect it to be like... I just want some cool action sequences like that girl who did gymnastics and kicked the monster after. You guys <laughs> shit was awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm just not I, I don't know. Not I'm not really digging it. Yeah. You'll see it. I was getting kind of that lost world vibe where the 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 Tyrannosaurus Rex goes through San Diego. Kind uh, of a thing. Lost World, you know, I've I've talked about it before on the show. Is I think it's god awful, and Steven Spielberg did direct that one. But I'll never forget the guy going to take a leak. Like he's with all these yeah. guys. He's yeah. in a place with dinosaurs. I'm gonna go walk about thirty feet away and go take a leak. It's like I'm peeing next to you, dude. Just turn around, okay? In fact, I'll pee on you. And the best part about that, the guy that he tells has headphones on and he's listening to music. You're list- you're in a place with man-eating creatures and you're going to tune it all out with your tunes. You need to be aware of your surroundings, right. man. But he's like, hey, I'm going to go take a leak. And the guy's not paying attention at all. He's jamming out to Mariachi tunes. Mariachi music. And, yeah. the- and it's Peter Stormare, remember? And he goes off yeah. and he gets killed. Oh, yeah. He goes off and he gets killed, and then you know cuts back to the guy, and he's still jamming out to his tunes or whatever. It's like, uh, hey, we're ready to go. Oh, okay. Whenever <laughs> you, everything's move moved ahead by stupidity. Like that's my problem with zombie movies or TV shows. When everything is because of someone being stupid, it drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. But on that note, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you'd like to send us a voicemail, send it to nimpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to call uh, and leave a voicemail on our voicemail line, call 1206-309-4729. I want to thank you guys so much for listening, and I want to thank Bill and Steven for joining me and talking about film and movies and stuff. It's always so much fun and all that kind of stuff. So, guys... Steven, Bill, I'm going to see you guys next time. See you later. See you on the flip side. Later days, man. That's assault, brother. Now this is podcasting.